Chewbacca is now brushing his fangs. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figures. The Empire Strikes Back turns with Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. It's the Cast. Newest news on the oldest toys, from bubble bath to belt buckles. 12 packs to 2 packs. New boss, alien bounty hunter. From the, from the, from the, from the, from the Star Wars collection. Watch out, watch We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia alive. With informative features and personal collecting stories. Offer expires December 31st, 1979. An Octavito with Memphis The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought to you by the Star Wars Collector's Archive. The SWCA.com. With your hosts, Sky Payne, Steven Chewbacca, 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 and Steven B. Deadly. I've got you now, Ben Kenobi. Star Wars, early bird certificate packet, new from Kenner. Kenner's Star Wars action figure. Wampa Wampa, space freaks. Welcome to the Codcast for May of 2011. Yeah, it's episode number 16 of yeah. the uh, the Codcast. It's the only monthly audio magazine dedicated to the collecting of vintage Star Wars memorabilia. <laughs> don't you think, Steve? I don't think there's. I, I think I don't think we got any others yet. No, not um, yet. But we, we welcome all comers. Um, as, as you may be able to tell already, we're gonna we're gonna keep it raw, Steve. Last month, people seemed to really like <laughs> that I didn't do too many edits or put in too many funny sound effects. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's smooth. I think. Yeah, it's smooth. It's a little smoother. But but this month is is a little bit special, Steve. I'm yes. I, I'm what <laughs> I am off the chain. Do you know what that means, Steve? Oh, it could mean many things, but I figured with it being Chewbacca uh, this month, it's it's going to be a, a very sky sky led show. I like that though. It's it needs to happen. Well, well, you see, if you're a new listener, you know we every month we we focus on a special figure, and it just happens to be Chewbacca this month. And I have my own website, Chewzeum dot com, and I've been collecting Chewbacca for a long time, and uh, I'm pretty excited. So I'm giving this as an excuse for me to just let my inner skyness go. <laughs> um, so if, if you're particularly turned off to my personality, you can just feel free to hit stop. Um, I, you know, intentionally, you know, Lobart will be on this episode, but we're recording later because I, I don't okay. want him to pull the reins back on me, Steve. He's, uh, uh, okay. he knows me too well. So, <laughs> and I think there's, there's no better way to start the, the Chewbacca month skyness madness than to go to, with my movie thought. Okay. Yeah. So I, I got a text from one of my best friends. Um, well, he's actually like the best friend of my wife, but that pretty much makes him one of my best friends. Yeah, and all right. uh, he's a really good guy. And he finally showed uh, his his son uh, Star Wars, and he sent me this text. He said, "Quote: After finally seeing Star Wars for the first time, Vincent asked at the end, why doesn't Chewbacca get a medal?'" <laughs> So See, I think a lot of kids are asking that. <laughs> a lot of kids are asking that, and I'm intentionally not going too far. You know, everyone thinks about this, and everyone's looking for an answer, Steve. <laughs> but no one has it. Now, of course, there's the official answer, which is that Carrie Fisher is like three foot seven, and Peter Mayhew is like seven foot nine. Right. So there's the, the logistics, you know. He would have yeah, to, like, yeah. fully, you know, get down on one knee, and it would be really silly. It would be distracting. But you could use, like, a, a, a stick or something to, like, reach up there and just loop it over him. I don't know. Right. I mean, in theory, there, there could have been something she could have done. Yeah. But in order to answer this question definitively, Steve, I'd like to ask you, have you ever heard 
of Sachin Littlefeather? No, I have not. What, what, what is this? Speak. Well, Sachin Littlefeather in 1972. You ever heard of the movie called The Godfather, Steve? That I have. Good. You've, you've heard of Mar- Marlon Brando. So Marlon Brando won an Oscar in 1972. Right. And he refused to go up and receive the Oscar for his role <laughs> in Don Corleone because he thought the representation of Native Americans in film was not proper. He thought that it was, uh. an atro- that was an atrocity and that Hollywood needed to represent them in a more favorable light. So hey, this is ringing a bell. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's what Marlon Brando did. And that – my friends, my space freaks, is what Chewbacca does at the end. He didn't not get a medal. He was offered a medal, and he said, no, uh, I don't want it. Excuse me, I'm looking around here. I see 3,000 rebels. I see the, the full you know, uh, hierarchy, the generals, not one alien, not one Wookiee, oh, not one Calamari, not one Trandoshan or Greedo people or whatever it is. He went totally Brando. He went totally Brando. That totally makes sense. And and that's why, what's the last word of A New Hope? It's him screaming, alien power. (laughs) That's really what he's saying. Uh, Because what uh. he's doing is he's playing out the hypocrisy of the rebellion. (laughs) And then lo and behold, by Return of the Jedi, Steve, what is it? It's a trap. It's Admiral Uh Akbar. Admiral Akbar. If it weren't for (laughs) Chewbacca back at Yavin saying, I will not take your medal. Princess Leia, who, by the way, called me the racial epithet of a walking carpet. That's a whole other thing. He, he refuses it, and that's essentially for alien rights in the rebellion. Case closed, Steve? I think you can close it. I, I, uh, I would agree wholeheartedly. That was solid from start to finish, man. All right. Well, thank you I very much. That's, uh, that, that's, that's my, new, my, my, uh, my take on it. And there's obviously a thousand other ways I could have gone with thoughts about Chewbacca, but uh, I, I think that, that one will do for now. So I'll have to That's tell cool. that to Vincent, uh, my, my, my friend's son, next time I see him. How old is Vincent, by the way? He's six years old, but it doesn't matter okay. to me. <laughs> okay. I'm famous good, for luck, try- good luck with that. Yeah, I'm famous for trying to explain to my nephew that Darth Vader is a good guy uh, and a bad guy Okay. Uh, when he was three years old. And like, you can't teach moral relativism to a three-year-old. <laughs> uh, you can watch me. <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, let's uh, let, let's break that off into the news then, shall we? All right, sounds good. Watch out! It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. All right, Steve. So, once again, I, I am off the chain, <laughs> and uh, it gets worse. Hivecast listeners, I gave you the warning. Okay, you're this far. You're just gonna have to have to sit in here with me. I promise. There'll, there'll be some. Uh, there'll be some payoff later. But but for the news, I'd like to go with the absolute newest news from 1688, Steve. All right, all right. Is this gonna be uh, down the French philosophy path by yes. any chance? Okay. Yes. I, I've been dying to, to shoehorn this into a Kivecast. All right. Uh, I, I'm very interested, you see, in in the nature of collecting. I love collecting stories, and what is it to be a collector? And uh, my my area of expertise is 17th century France, which, anyways, is very interesting, and I could go into it <laughs> if you want to see me at the next celebration. Um, <laughs> Uh, the only thing I can rattle on about – about as long as I can rattle on about alien rights. Um, so anyways, there's this guy named uh, Jean de la Bruyère who is a uh, – what's called a moralist, someone who observed the habits of the people. Uh, and he wrote this book called Caractères or Characters as they say it in English. 
Okay. And in it, he breaks down a lot of things about people. I mean, it's a very, very insightful book. Uh, but in one section, the 13th section of fashion, he explains the collector perfectly. Oh, yeah? And the reason okay. I wanted to bring this up was a while ago, uh, I made a video, and I'll, I'll include a link of it, where I cut my hair for uh, Locks of Love. You, you've seen it, Steve. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That's the barbershop right around the corner from us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I, I cut my hair for Locks of Love, and in it, I, I mentioned that I actually kind of look like Chewbacca. And it is true, Steve. Since I started seriously collecting Chewbacca, my beard grew <laughs> in, and my hair got longer. And oh, man. I don't do it on purpose. I think it's some kind of weird thing where you eventually start to become like the thing you collect. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it in other people too. But I think as far as like pinpoint cases, uh, you, you definitely nail it. Yeah, and, and I, I, can't, I can't help it. So anyway, so that, that got me thinking about this. So I'm not going to read you the whole, the whole, uh, the whole section. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to throw in little bits of it. And then we'll right. do a real news story, and then we'll go back to it. Well, it'll be kind of like, like a book discussion, okay. and uh, you can let me know. So this is the, the beginning of characters, of, of fashion, okay? You ready, Steve? I am ready. It's in English. Don't worry. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, quick vintage vocab here before you listen to this crazy stuff. I make repeated mentions of the Trilogo Medine. If you're new to collecting... Uh, Trilogos are the figures produced in Europe at the end of the Return of the Jedi line. For various reasons, the Maidine, the General Maidine, is extremely rare and commands thousands of dollars. And I just wanted to say that because I realized maybe some of you don't know about the Trilogo Maidine, which, uh, look it up, it's an interesting figure. Now please enjoy the citations from La Bruyere. The mania for collecting is a fondness, not for what is good or beautiful, but for what is rare and unique, for what one has and others have not. It is not a liking for what is perfect, but for what is sought after, what is in vogue. It is not an amusement, but a passion, and one which is often so violent that only the slightness of its object makes it second to love and ambition. It is not a general passion for everything that is rare and in great demand, but only for a certain thing which is rare and yet fashionable. Ooh. Pretty pretty damning stuff, huh, Steve? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean that that <laughs> I'm just imagining this guy in uh, 1688 France penning this yeah. with Chewbacca's all around him. <laughs> exactly. And he's sitting there and he's and he's looking at, at you know at L slot Boba Fett. The mania for collecting a fondness not for what is good or beautiful, but right. for what is rare and unique. He's sitting there looking at a tri-logo General Maydeen, the ugliest <laughs> card of the ugliest <laughs> figure, and he's saying, this is worth $5,000. It is not for what is rare and unique necessarily, <laughs> for its perfect or beautiful, but what one has and others have not. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to include a link if you want to read more of that. Uh, I, I'll get back to that. But uh, I often think about that. You know, it's it's uh, the slightness of the object, meaning like – it's only the fact that it's such a, a trifling thing. That's the only thing that makes it second to love and ambition. <laughs> so anyways, I think uh, he writes with great clarity. And with that, Steve, when's the next California Collectors Club meeting? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be June 11th. It's uh, just a couple weeks away, and that's uh, going to be up in Oakland. Uh, Trevor Wenzel, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, yeah. Great guy. He's going to be hosting it. So anyone that's in the Bay Area... Um, definitely just get a hold of me. Um, I, I'll give you the, the email address right now. It's C-A-V-S-W-C-C at gmail.com. 
And um, yeah, it's going to be uh, Saturday the 11th. And uh, we'd love to have anyone who hasn't already signed up to come by. So just let me know. Yeah, that's going to be great. I mean, he he has a, a Blue Stars, right? Didn't he just get a, an Uze Blue Stars? I, you know what? I, I haven't seen. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though. Yeah, no, he, he is, did. He just, he's a, he's he's just a blind enthusiast. Yeah, oh, cool. So, so you can get to see. I mean, there's I'll not many of those out there. No, I've, I've never seen one in person, so that's going to be great. Wow, so that's June 11th. Unfortunately, I, I'm going to be going to the uh, the Grand Prix in Montreal. Ooh. Um, but, man, I wish I could go. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I think uh, good old Lobart is going to be making an appearance. Really? From what I understand. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so Steve and Lobart will be making you – know, they'll sign uh, your Kivecast uh, shirts if you, if you need them to. <laughs> uh, there, there will be no Kivecast shirts. And, and no photography either. No, yeah, no photography, Sorry. yes. <laughs> um, and then a little bit of silly news on, on my part. Um, are you a hockey fan at all, Steve? I wouldn't say I'm a hockey fan. I, I can appreciate hockey. Um, I really like the kind of craziness that surrounds it. I, and the one thing I'd like to do is see a, a hockey game in person. That's the one like big sporting event I haven't seen. But I, I, uh, I wouldn't call myself a fan. I, I, I appreciate it though. Well, well, anyways, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan, a Bruins fan, and they're playing. The oh, Tampa, that's right. They're, the, the they're Tampa Bay a... Lightning. And I just happened to notice this does pertain to Star Wars. Speaking of Uze. <laughs> Number 77 on the Tampa Bay Lightning's name is Victor Headman. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> H-E-D-M-A-N. And his number is 77. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So if you're a big bootleg collector, I'm serious. How cool would it be? I have a friend who was really into uh, like yeah, vintage synthesizers and he used to wear yeah. an Andy Moog shirt. And they're like, oh, do you like hockey? Big? No, I'm really into vintage synthesizers. Um, cool guy despite that. Um, so, anyways, I'm just thinking out there. If you're really into into really obscure Star Wars stuff, I think you, you got to get a Headman jersey. <laughs> I think you got to get a Headman jersey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, sh- shall we go back to La Bruyere, Steve? Let's do it. Right, that sounds good. Okay. So, what he does is he gives little examples of people. Okay. And I'm just going to change the weird name to Dennis. Okay. <laughs> okay. Would you like to see my prints? Asks Dennis. He quickly spreads them out to show you. You see one which is neither dark enough nor clear, nor even well drawn, and which seems less suited to form part of a collection than to adore uh, Petit Pont de Rouneuve on the Gala Day, meaning just like a, a bad art fair. He admits, <laughs> he admits that it is badly engraved and even worse drawn, but he assures you that it is by an Italian whose work is very scarce, that there are hardly any prints of it, and that this is the only one in France of this drawing that he paid a high price for it, and that he would not exchange it for the best thing in his collection. There's one thing that distresses me greatly, he goes on, and it will, give, it will make me give up prints for the rest of my days. I have the whole of, Ca- of Calot except for one single print, which, to tell the truth, is not one of his good works. On the contrary, it is his worst. But it would complete the collection for me. I've been striving for it for 20 years, and now I've lost all hope of doing so. It is a hard blow. Ooh. So, so that's got two things in there. One is that he shows you something that's just garbage. And, <laughs> but he says it's the best thing and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I know that feeling. Exactly, right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, look at this. Look at, look at this amazing – I hate to always go back to the bootlegs. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know what? The Trilogo Medine really is the perfect example. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> because it's not a good card pack. It's not a good figure. But it's so rare. And then he even has the uh, the ability to see that there are certain collectors where 
he wants to sell his entire collection because he can't find the one example. The one thing that's missing, yeah. The one thing that's missing. <laughs> I've known people like that where they just say, you know, there's one thing and if I don't get it, I'm just going to freak out and uh, – It's I, all got to go. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. got to go. I told you, Steve. I'm off the chain, man. I'm off the chain. Is, is it going okay? Can you speak for the audience? Am I going too far here? I think you're doing all right. All right. Good. Uh, and then another another piece of news. Did you see this thing about uh, about – I believe it's Michigan, Kokomo, Michigan. Yes. Now this is, I, I was kind of surprised by it, honestly. Um, oh, wait, second. did I say Michigan? I'm in Indiana. I would like to apologize to the entire Midwest uh, for confusing Indiana and Michigan. They're very different. Um, I've actually been to Indiana. <laughs> it's, it's a nice place. Been there a couple times. Um, yes, of course. Uh, this, C3, this crazy, crazy toy shop. It's right. Just, so, so the, to get back to the whole point, if you go to Facebook yeah. and you look up uh, Kokomo Toys, it's Kokomo, K O K O M O, and it's really fortunate that we're going all raw here, Steve, because that force <laughs> that allows me to not have to find the terrible Beach Boys song to play underneath this. Um, but Please pr- don't. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure, or, or KokomoToys.com. I'm, I'm pretty sure that when uh, when the the Beach Boys were writing Kokomo, they did not mean Kokomo, Indiana. Probably not. Um, <laughs> wait, is it in Coco? Is it in Kokomo, Indiana? Is, is that, does that exist? You know, am, am I I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure. You may have just made up a small Indiana town. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. KokomoToys.com. But I mean. There's there's Cairo, uh, I think there's Cairo, Indiana. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's Kokomo. So it is. It's in. It's on one two four four East Morgan Street, Kokomo, Indiana. There we go. There you go. <laughs> so it's just great because all the great, you know, what they call brick and mortar stores have have been going out. I mean, did you ever yeah. get, did you ever get to go to the Earth in Cincinnati, Steve? No, I never got. I never. I've never actually been to Cincinnati. Uh, uh, I really wanted to check it out, though. It's it's it was great. I mean, it was one of the original vintage toy stores it's where a lot of like the really old vintage collectors who would go raiding the the dumpsters would go out and meet <clears throat> and it, it it was a really really cool store they had all kinds of kenner stuff they had the care care bears and glamour gals and all that and you know they they packed up and they left and you know that was a few years ago wasn't yeah it? That, that was a few years ago and brian's yeah. toys isn't a isn't a brick and mortar place and right cloud city isn't a brick and mortar place and all these places yeah. in general they've gone out of business i remember yeah. actually driving around with uh with lobart and we went to one store and we were looking for vintage star wars figures uh <laughs> and the guy literally said to me just go to the internet like he was angry at me <laughs> for asking him <laughs> Oh man, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, in Kokomo, Indiana, he's he's living the dream, and he yeah he's he's made a full on uh, he's made a full on place where you can go and you can you can buy toys at an actual store. That's a mother load, so, man. That's crazy. Yeah. So I think I mean, of course, we also had Shane's place yesterday. Yeah. So. Right. So maybe there's more of these. Maybe there is a real a real demand for it. So it'd be cool if it kind of makes a, a resurgence because I mean it, there's just there's nothing like this in Santa Barbara that's for sure. I maybe somewhere in LA there's a couple, but I mean, yeah, there's Big Loose Toy Store, right? Yeah. Big Loose, but yeah, I mean it's just rare to see anything like this anymore. Well, what's still... great is that it's it's opening. It's it's not that it still exists. It's right. that he's like you know what, this is great. Let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I encourage everybody who lives within. I mean, what, three hours? I would drive three hours to go there, like just, you know, yeah. some boring Sunday, right? 
Absolutely. You would spend hours in there. (laughs) Exactly. So go on to kokomotoys.com. And uh, what's funny is, Steve, if I had to choose between going to the Kokomo as is described in the song Kokomo or Kokomo, (laughs) Indiana, I would totally choose Kokomo, Indiana. I don't care about pina coladas and I don't – the beach, (laughs) I kind of – you know, I could do without the beach. Uh, Yeah, the palm trees. Plus you got all the – Ugh, you know, like fat people and hot tubs. Uh, so you want you want the uh, aisles of toys and the giant uh, scout walker made out of trash cans in the front. That exactly. Just, that's that's way better. Yeah, we'll have to include that in our in our show notes. The uh, the, the scout walker made out of trash cans. Hey, speaking of show <laughs> notes, how's our how's our Facebook page going? It's actually going really well. Um, let me pull up. They actually sent me weekly stats on this thing, which nice. I was not expecting. Which is actually it's actually pretty cool. Let me let me pull them up once. Yeah, how many people like us? Yeah, if, if you don't like us, you should go and like us. <laughs> One second here. It's raw, people. Raw, raw. Um, Cannot that raw, Steve. Email. Find the info. I know. I'm going, I'm going. Okay, here we go. Your weekly Facebook page update. The Kivecast page has 95 monthly active users. Nice. Uh, and uh, But <laughs> this is kind of disturbing. It has 95 monthly users, but only 75 of them like us. Oh, burn. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's actually, we got 40 visits this week, 116 since last week. But it's actually doing all right. So, so, um, so there's 20 of you out there who, you know, you don't like us. I, this, this episode but you do check do, on us. Yeah, you do check on us. This episode is, is not going to do anything uh, to help us with that. This way, no. <laughs> Speaking of that, Steve. Back to La Bruyere. All right. <laughs> a certain bourgeois loves buildings. He has a house built for himself, which is so handsome, rich, and ornate that it is uninhabitable. Ashamed of living in it and reluctant, perhaps, to let into it a prince or financier, he withdraws to the attic where he ends his life. While the suite of rooms and the parquet floors are overrun by English and German travelers who visit them after the Palais Royal and the Luxembourg Gardens, People are forever knocking at the splendid door. They all want to see the house, but nobody asks to see the owner. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, right? We're starting to get really deep into this. <laughs> it's pretty deep into it, right? Like, the uh, whole yeah. idea, like, he has such a beautiful collection. Everything's so perfect. He just goes up to the attic, dies, and nobody cares about him. They all go by and they look at his stuff, you know, like... In 50 years, you know, no one's going to care about, about whoever Sky Payne was. They're just going to look at <laughs> going to look at my Chewbacca's, you know. Is it going to go for the Chewsium? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we only have one more of those folks. Oh, no, two more. Well, so, no, that's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's interesting, though, Steve. I, I think yeah. our audience, you know, most of the people who listen to our show are college-educated. If they're not college-educated, they're smart anyways, you know. So, uh, the stuff all applies. So yeah, I, I think... it all applies. Now here's another one, Steve. Did you uh, speaking of kind of new sites? Uh, I just okay. uh, I, actually I forget. Maybe it was Jacob. I forget who who posted it. But there's a new website. Speaking of uh, of bootlegs, yeah. called uh, StarWarsaw.pl. You, you checked it out. <laughs> what, what is it? Steve? I did. It's got this great little setup of, uh, of Polish bootlegs, and when you click on uh, each figure gives a little uh description of them but i I really love the the way it's laid out it's just it's really simple using the images and stuff but it's (laughs) it's got great little close-ups of the figures and a little brief description and uh 
it's it's just really well done. I mean, it's yeah. you, you always find new uh, collecting sites, and it just seemed to get better and better. Honestly, they're it's great. Yeah, and it's a lot of very good information. I just clicked on Chewbacca, obviously, because that's the figure of the month. You know, it lets you know <laughs> that it was possibly yeah. the first bootleg, uh, Polish bootleg ever made. Um, and he gives a lot of different examples of it and all the different iterations. It's very, it's very bright, very clear, very easy to read. And it's actually yeah. from someone in Poland, which, uh, which makes it all the better. Yeah. yeah. So it's starwarsaw.pl. Which I suppose stands for, for Poland. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then here we're going to get into uh, probably the most dicey area that I may have to uh, edit in the event that you didn't follow it at all. Did you follow the okay. the twenty one B back controversy? Yeah. I was reading that this afternoon, and honestly, my head just started spinning with all of the. Because uh, <laughs> I remember we were talking about one of these figures. It was in one of our first shows, wasn't it? It, it was, was like uh, the first show, I think. It, it may was... have been the first show. We were yeah. talking about one of these stormtroopers popping up, and um, so I just, just, saw just to, to, in, the to inform the, the the audience who, who may not know, so there's yeah. considered to be less than four or something like that, some really low number of twenty one back stormtroopers. Offerless stormtroopers on twenty-one backs from the Star Wars card front. So, right. for whatever reason, that's really, really rare, and almost all of them that have ever shown up have come from Australia. Um, and there just happened to be this thread, and it, it, it's it's been around for a while. Um, the thread itself has existed from, I believe, it started. Was it last month? I think it's I think it's older than that, right? Oh, older than that. Let's yeah, I'm pretty see. sure the thread itself. So we'll include a link to the thread. Yeah, it started in in April. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, that is last month. Okay. You know what, Steve? Forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it started in April, and it had this whole feeling of just being like it was like one of his first posts, and they were like, "Hey, quick question: Does anyone know the value of this piece?" And they put in the header "21 back B stormtrooper." So you're like. So you know right. it's a twenty-one back B, but you don't know. Is this something rare? It, it's they don't know the story behind it. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of strange. It, it smelled funny, and then <laughs> you know he included what you need to include, which is a picture of the front and then the mirror in the back. Right. But what made this so interesting, and we'll include the pictures in the show notes, um, is that the, people went through and they discovered discrepancies in the photos. They yeah. showed how it <laughs> appears as though the photo itself was two different figures through a, like a clear piece of glass. This is just crazy. To imitate the look of a mirror to the point where people are circling it. I think someone made the joke calling it CSI Star Wars, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, counterfeit Star Wars investigation. Yep. And, oh, uh, man. And it just it went is... on and on. And, and to me, it seemed like, okay, case closed. Nice try, scammer. You know, looks like uh, you can't fool us. We're too smart for you. <laughs> and then, and then, what happens, Steve? Let's see. You know what? I didn't catch the end of this. Hold on. Oh, the end is the shocking part. I know. That's so you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to fill it in here. Okay. He got it AFA'd. Oh, see, I remember reading he was going to. It, it did get in. It, it did get AFA'd, huh? It did. Yeah, it got AFA'd seventy, so it's worthless. Um, it got a. It got AFA'd. <laughs> oh, here we go. I see it. <laughs> so everyone's wow. just like, is AFA wrong, uh, or are we wrong? 
Huh. And uh, that's just that. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, Will Grief, uh, Despair on, on Rebel Scum said, you know, AFA is not infallible. There's no provenance. Uh, there's no footer. There's tape on the bubble. And the creases don't match up on the front and the back. So I, how did that even happen? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's the trip. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to, we hear the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. We're following this story quite closely. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't read it, uh, well, I guess you don't have to now because we just posted this. But it, it just, I, I found it to be a really interesting story where it really seemed like we got him. And then he comes back and gets it authenticated. And, yeah. Oh, man. What but, a bizarre circumstance. <laughs> because that at least proves that the picture is real. It doesn't prove that the figure is real, but it at least proves right. that the picture is real. In which case, yeah. how did everyone debunk the photo if it was a real photo? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. Make we'll have to see how this, how this turns out. I'm curious if it's going to go any further, if that's just going to be it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it makes it makes my uh, makes my head hurt. <laughs> we know of others, Steve. That's my introduction to Ibuya. Uh, we oh, know of we others go. who have daughters living with them, for whom they cannot provide a dowry, who are indeed wretchedly clad and starved. They cannot afford anything, not even bre- not even bread or a place to sleep or clean linen. They are poor, and the source of their poverty is not far to seek. It is a junk room, cluttered up with rare busts, already covered with dust and filth, the sale of which would enable them to live at ease, but which they cannot bring themselves to sell. Wow. I mean, this is kind of creeping me out a little bit. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. It's, it's everything that happens. That's what's yeah. just amazing. I mean, that that happens all the time where people get crazy collections and they abandon their families more or less for their little trinkets and their little doodads. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, of course it's this kind of weird dowry and, you know, it's very, yeah. very that, that starts to sound more, more 17th century, but then once right. you get into the rest of it, <laughs> right. Uh, pretty much it's it right on the spot, right? The junk room <laughs> cluttered up with rare busts covered with dust and filth. That's even yeah. the best part that you can't sell it, but you don't even really truly appreciate it. Again, right. we'll, we'll include links to this. Uh, if you want to read more from uh, La Bruyere. Um, and I think it's, it's almost become a, uh, a monthly feature of where I find something in pop culture that has to do with vintage. Yeah. Um, it's not really intentional. It's just kind of happened the last couple of months. But uh, are, are you familiar with uh, with cracked dot com? Uh, yeah, it's. I think I've, I've run across it a few times. It's it's pretty good. It's not awesome, but they have they have uh, some really good articles, and I you know I check it maybe a couple times a week. Yeah, um, and uh, they have a video series, and I only mention it just because it has some vintage in it at all. It's not really vintage, but it's more of a thing if you want to watch it and have a laugh. Uh, it's called Why Star Wars was, uh, is Secretly Terrifying for Women. And uh, it's it's actually pretty well done, well edited, lots of funny pictures. Again, not not PG, so if you're a kid listening to this, don't watch it. But uh, at some point, they're, they're commenting on Han's bad behavior, and the guy just goes, ooh, that's vintage Han. And then a vintage Han figure pops up on screen and then flies away. Ah, uh, there you go. But I, I like the fact that you know vintage Han was referred to and the figure was was shown. Yeah. So that's uh, it's it's pretty funny, but not you know, n- not amazing. <laughs> and uh, uh, 
do you have any more news, Steve, that, that you wanted to bring? Um, let's see. Uh, the only other things I could think of, uh, there was a great, a couple good write-ups on that uh, that uh, convention that happened down in Guatemala. Oh, uh, right. Megacon. That looked like a blast. I mean, yeah. I wish I wish I could have done something like that. I don't know if that's the first one or not, but uh, um, there's some really good stuff about the uh, the uh, Mayan city where they filmed the original uh, Star Wars and some collectors that uh, most most all of the listeners probably know. They took a, a little day trip, or I guess a couple day trip down there and, right. and uh, checked it out. And uh, also, I guess there's the official uh, Celebration Six website posted up. I'd seen that somewhere. All it says is six in Roman numerals, but uh, so I guess that means another one of those is coming up at some point. Wait, but, wait, uh, what? You haven't seen this? No. <laughs> no, you know, I'm trying to remember where I came across it. I, I, I don't remember, honestly, but uh, if you look up Star Wars Celebration 6, there's a Lucasfilm site that uh, if you open it up, it, all it does has a Starscape background and the Roman numeral six just kind of fades into the picture and that's all it has <laughs> oh, awesome. but uh yeah so i mean it's something to look forward to i think we all figured there was going to be another one but the fact that there's already stuff getting uh posted about it now it's a good sign wow so. that's that that's news to me steve <laughs> <laughs> well there we go well you know this is the the last uh the last month in the the apartments here by the by the shores of the erie canal we're going to be moving uh, into our house soon so i've been doing lots of yard work and I, oh man! Speaking of growing poor, you ever had to buy a riding lawnmower? Jesus, those <laughs> things are expensive. No, I, I skipped the lawnmower and went for the cheap weed whacker. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. That, that's one nice thing about California. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't have enough. You can't have too much land, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Wow, celebration six. And yep. I, I can tell you one thing: the Kivecast, whenever celebration six does happen, we got to have a listener party. Yes. Absolutely. I don't really know how to go about that, but we should do yeah, it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Even if it's just you, me, and Chris Trogulius hanging out in a room, <laughs> that's that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you see, I said his word. It's going to be a good. Yeah, it is. I said his name. It's going to be a good Got episode. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to end with I'm going to end with the Labrière that made me think of this in the first place. Okay. Donnie began with one bird, and he ends with a thousand. They do not enliven his house. They defile it. The courtyard, the hall, the stair, the vestibule, the rooms, the study are one huge aviary. Birdsong has become a deafening din. The autumn gales and rivers in full spate do not make so shrill and piercing a noise. People can no more hear each other speak than in those rooms where you have to wait to greet your host until small dogs have finished barking. <laughs> For Donnie, it is no longer a pleasant pastime, but rather a laborious task which he is scarcely equal to. He spends his days, those days which once gone can never return, pouring out seed and cleaning up droppings. He pays wages to a man who has no other function than to teach canaries to sing or to get, uh, to get their leans to brood. It is true that he spends with his one hand he saves with the other, for his children have no teachers and get no education. Oh, man. He shuts himself up at night, worn out with his pleasure, unable to enjoy the slightest rest until his birds are resting and all those little creatures who he loves only because they sing, have stopped singing. <laughs> he is back with his birds in sleep. He becomes a bird himself, crested, warbling, perching. He dreams at night that he is molting or hatching eggs. Whoa. 
So there, yeah. there's the the final one. That's what made me think of me, so that, you know, like, like huddled <laughs> up in my collection of Chewbacca's with my with my hair growing out, dreaming about going to baseball games with Chris Chewbacca's. And, <laughs> and uh, anyways, so that was the one that started it, huh? Well, that was where I realized, you know, he he really made this point that this man became a bird. You know, <laughs> he, he had another one too, where someone becomes an insect because he collects insects. Okay, but just no, the no. the idea that it's no longer a, a pastime, but it becomes a laborious no. task. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyways, not we not can't be, let that happen. We can't no, let, we can't let that happen. Unless we got to have the Kivecast, you know. Because <laughs> how much does the Kivecast cost, Steve? Nada, nothing, and uh, it costs nothing to make it. it. Costs nothing to listen to it. You know, it's not going to deprive your daughters of a dowry. Um, <laughs> Although we can, it, it it's not a laborious task. Yes, no, right. Not yet, <laughs> okay. especially since I'm done with La Bouillère. But uh, maybe we should include a button on our on our uh, like you know how some some people have donate buttons on their websites. Yeah. Yeah. We should have a deprive your daughter of her dowry button. There we go. And you can just click on that, <laughs> and we deprive your daughter of a dowry. <laughs> oh um, man, well that was some news, Steve, from yes, 1688 indeed. to 2011. Covered it all. Covered it all. But I'm not done being off the chain, Steve. Let's go to our Nugget from the Archive. Tis a nugget from the... Chuseum. Tis a nugget. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. From the... Chuseum. That's right, Steve. It's not a nugget from the archive. It's a nugget from the Chuseum. But of course, I've not? gone too far, Steve. <laughs> well, I got to admit, my plan was I had a lot of big plans. Now, one plan for this show is I was going to interview every single Chewbacca focus collector. And I did that. And you're going to hear that later. Pretty Excellent. cool. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to do is I was going to do a huge, massive update to the Chuseum. And I was going to unveil it here. And it was going to have everything I hadn't shown because basically. I have twice as much in my collection that's not on the website. Ooh. But did I do it, Steve? I'm going to guess no. No. No, I did not. <laughs> uh, I was also – you know, maybe this could even go into the news thing, Steve. I've never told anybody this before. uh But uh, did you know, Steve, that I was interviewed for an NPR segment? <laughs> no. I haven't told anybody this because I wanted it to happen. Uh, it was for a show called – Okay, so, uh, it was called like – it's not Weekend Edition, but it was like Out on the Weekend or some some kind of mid-level show. It was nationally syndicated. Um, wow. But this guy who, who – uh, he was a friend, of, a friend of mine and he was looking for stories and he heard my whole story about why did you collect Chewbacca and it was yeah. back in 2006. So I really wasn't – didn't even have that much of a collection back then. But he came and he interviewed me and he interviewed my huh. brother and he brought the whole – uh, I mean, he interviewed my brother in Providence. Like, he got the guys from PBS to go by and bring the bring the, the tape recorder over there, and he did the whole story. But wow. he then got a job with Fresh Air, huh. and uh, so he kind of abandoned it. And I kept on bugging him and saying, "Oh, hey, when are you going to do it?" And he just kind of dropped it. Oh. So it's kind of a sad thing because I was really yeah. hoping to really impress everybody with the fact that I got on NPR. <laughs> Uh, with the Chuseum. But you know what, Steve? They can take their, their, their NPR and cram it with walnuts because I'd rather have the Kivecast. Right, Steve? 
That's right. See, this is your, this is your plan B. That's right. <laughs> this is uh, this. So what I decided was instead of doing a nugget from the archive, why not do a nugget from the museum? And I am going to show something relatively new, Steve. I sent you a picture of this. Can can you describe what you see in that picture? All right. Let me let me see. Uh, now it looks like a Chewbacca-like robot wearing. Is that a hula skirt with yes. coconut bra? <laughs> I don't know uh, about the coconut bra. Or some kind of bra. <laughs> you know, I've never you, seen it as a bra before right now, but I'm holding or it just, in my Or hand. just, okay, yeah. What, what do you see it as? <laughs> I see it as a chest plate, but oh, uh, okay. I think right. you may be right. That may be a coconut bra. That, <laughs> that makes the hula skirt make more sense. Yeah, see, that's, when I saw the hula skirt, I'm like, well, then what the heck would that be? And it's got to be. <laughs> uh, now, what in the world is that? Please. So, so it's got, and then it's got a Chewbacca who's shooting out these light rays. Yeah, with, yeah. And if you actually look up close, they've like. Is it coming little, from his mouth or his coming, eyes? It's coming or? from his mouth. Yes, he's okay. shooting out light rays. <laughs> now, there's a long story behind this. Um, uh, John Hallam, I don't actually. He's from Australia, so I don't need to pronounce it with that funny word. John Hallam. There you go. John Hallam. John Hallam, <laughs> mate. I don't know how you would say it. Anyways, uh, he lives in Japan. And he's sort of the, the pioneer of finding all of these uh, Japanese knockoffs. So yeah. not necessarily bootlegs, but knockoffs. Uh, yeah. And one of the he once sent me an email, and he was trying to work out a trade, or whatever. Mm. And it was he said, "Are you interested in a cyborg, a Japanese cyborg Chewbacca?" And so he sent me a picture of this, and I'm now going to read to you what he said it was. And okay. this, this is going to be on the Chuseum as well. Um, it is a toy kit from Emai's Monster Cyborg series. Other monster characters include a goblin, brontosaurus, skeleton, etc. Don't ask me how a skeleton can be a cyborg, but that's a rather <laughs> ambiguous and bizarre premise behind the line. I'm guessing they were released in the late 70s, early 80s. I put my money based on the, la on the late 70s, judging by the still fairly elaborate artwork, figure type, and theme. I can confirm Galaxy Eagle Maguro Z-Mac as being 1982 release. And as you can see from the link below, they're less stylistic and more straightforward. So basically saying this, the artwork is like late 70s. Okay. Emai often prepared backstories for the original character lines, but this one just says things like, there are lots of different ways to have fun with this character. <laughs> uh, he found it looking for other toys by the same company. They have another line of knockoffs that is even more bizarre than this. Huh. Um and, you know, there's things like what Joe talked about last, last month with the Nazi R2-D2. Right, right. So, so anyways, we, we worked out a trade and everything, and that, that was great. And then I went to Japan, as, as Kivecast listeners know, and I met up with him. And he's a great guy. Uh, he lives near the town of Nara. Um, and Nara's really cool. they got all these, like, really psycho deer that you can feed <laughs> the deer, but uh, they, like, really attacked my whole family. Um, <laughs> And I was like taking pictures of my wife instead of saving her. It was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a bad move. Tisk um, tisk, I would. Tisk tisk. Come on now. <laughs> but but to my amazement, he he gives me a package, and in it is another one of these Chewbacca oh man uh, uh, kits. And he said, "I'm giving this to you." I was like, "Giving?" You know, he's a very generous guy. He's like, "On one condition, you have to promise to build it." <laughs> so as a Kivecast Museum exclusive, I'm going to make a video. My wife's going to film me, and I'm going to put together the EMI Monster Series Cyborg 8 Chewbacca, 
and uh, I'm going to put it together on film, and you're going to see how it looks. Now, i got to warn you, it's not going to look as cool as the box, but uh, <laughs> just looking at it here, it does have a hula skirt. Oh, so, perfect. Uh, I'm going to make a go. video, and that's going to be up there uh, online. So that that's the nugget from the Chuseum, Steve. And, that's uh, sweet, man. Are you going to paint it? I don't know if I'm supposed to. If I'm, oh, okay. If Is it already, already colored or – no, it's 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 weird. It's just like green and yellow plastic, um, <laughs> and even on the box when you see it, it, yeah, you know what? I think I could paint it like I could paint the arms kind of metallic and everything yeah. else kind of brown. He's not yeah. wearing a bra in this, Steve. I I hate to let you uh. know, <laughs> but you know what? I'll, I'll contact Dean Clayton, who used to who used to work for the. Uh, World of Warhammer, I don't know, or Dungeons and Dragons, or one of those things. He's really good at this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, and also I'll have to learn how to read Japanese. So uh, look forward to that in this uh, skies off the chain, uh, crazy crazy town. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Uh, cool. Well, shall we uh, hit up a another market watch? Yeah, let's do it. All right. One dollar flicks. Market watch. All right, Steve. So this market watch is is kind of a weird thing for me because I had a feeling it would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, the thing is, I mean, I think there's a lot of stages of collecting, and uh, later in the in the mega yak where we're going to interview all the Chewbacca focus collectors, uh, we're going to touch on it a little bit. But I definitely think there's a certain phase of collecting where i don't know if this happens to you but like i i don't check ebay very often um yeah and it's been this is actually like these days the only time i ever do is when i'm doing one of these <laughs> market watches yeah and it's funny it's not that it doesn't interest me it's not that i don't yeah. like wasting time i think it's just sort of this kind of idea that well first of all i don't have that much funds right now but also there's enough stuff that comes up there's enough people who know me and know that I collect Chewbacca and, you know, I can wait for shows. And, and there's a certain point, I think, where the, the, the crazy, like, I got to get everything. I got to I gotta watch everything. Like, it kind of goes away. And it's almost yeah, like – It kind of subsides a little bit. Yeah. yeah it's, it, I mean, I often think about, like, uh, having a good focus collection or, or even just a good collection in general is like, like a marriage. And, and you know, <laughs> like, like the puppy love goes away. You know, and and the puppy love is where you're checking eBay every day, and 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 you tell all your buddies, you know, oh, check this out, I just got a sixty-five back D, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but then you know, either you just kind of abandon it after that and say, oh, I can't find anything new. This is dumb. I'm gonna go collect uh, handguns, or. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you kind of stick with it and you just realize you're not always going to feel that way. But what you're going to get is, is a, a more fulfilling but perhaps less exciting uh, relationship with what you collect. Right. Uh, so take that, Labriere. Um, <laughs> so uh, I told you, Steve, I'm, I'm off the chain today. If, if Lobart was on here, he'd be like, oh, boy, here we go, Sky. <laughs> but uh, what, what did you find in, in the market watch? All right. So – I kind of it's the same kind of deal with R2 there's it's a great character that has like pretty much anything you can think of right <laughs> but uh I I kind of went from some of the stuff you'd look for if you're collecting figures to some of the more random stuff again so um I had a question about this first one I uh, it was a 12 back ungraded Chewbacca uh -huh. and it sold for 356 bucks Huh. And uh, it was, you know, it looks like it's in pretty good condition but I I thought I'm trying to remember when I used to have one of these I don't think I I paid nearly as much for it, and I was curious: is that 
And did that surprise you a little bit, or does that seem about right? I mean, it's it's just so weird with these finding them ungraded now. It seems most of them you find are, are graded. So Yeah, I mean, that does seem a little high okay. uh, for a Chewbacca 12 back. I mean, that's... Yeah. But it could be that there is hope that it would be traded. I mean, you know, three hundred yeah. bucks is, is usually kind of the, the high end. I'm looking at it here; right. it doesn't appear to be that good condition. Yeah, I don't know if maybe they think it's a a, a blue bowcaster or whatever. Mm, that could uh, be. Uh, they mentioned. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that that that's, that does seem a little bit high, but you know, maybe twelve backs are going up a little bit. You know, or, yeah. or maybe people are finally realizing that Chewbacca is a, is a good character to collect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be a combination. But, uh, All right, so so three fifty for an ungraded. I'd call that like a C seven, C eight, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, kind of went down the line. We got a, a ESB uh, twenty one back with the secret figure offer, and that was sixty six. Which that to me seemed maybe a little low. I don't know if uh, I never collected Chewies specifically so i was yeah no, that's i'm kind of using use uh, the barometer on this on yeah. most of this stuff so yeah no that makes me want to kick myself because i also have like a little uh 21 back focus, uh, that's right. focus going yeah yeah and i don't have an extra chewy and that's perfect oh it does look like the bubbles lifting on the left side uh that could be it right yeah yeah but uh, s- still it does see- yeah uh the other three sides have come away from the card yeah yep yeah, okay, in that, that case, would explain it. That would $66 explain it. is very, very high, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shame on me. Shame on me. Um, all right, uh, let's see. There's some of these I may pass over. Um, I wanted to mention there was this uh, Lily Letty that came up. That sold for $405, and it seems like the case with most, most of these from Mexico is they're just always so beat up that it's hard to find anything that's even remotely still together. Um and this one, it was $405. I think part of the bubble had been re-glued. But right. uh, for a main character, that's, I mean, it's, otherwise it looks pretty presentable. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's do, you from, have, do you have one of these? I do, yeah. I, uh, I, I got one from, um, I got one from Oscar, actually. Oh, okay. Um, it, which is cool, because he sent it to me in a sealed Oscar case, which was Oh, funny. there you go. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely a nice piece, and I there was a time where I would have paid, I mean, double that because you just yeah. did not see them. I mean, from two thousand four to two thousand nine, say, yeah. I didn't yeah. see one, and now I've seen um, six or seven in the last uh, couple. Well, no, maybe not May four or five in the last in the last couple of years. That's crazy, uh, but still, no. That that seems right, and that's actually by by Todd Hudson, who's he's the the last person I've yet to track down for an interview. But, oh, there uh, we go. I, I uh, hopefully we'll do that in the next couple of days. I have a couple of days, Steve. Right? It's what May. Yeah. We're recording this you on May twenty sixth. Yeah, you got a couple of days. I got a couple of days. <laughs> I got some in laws coming into town to help help move couches and stuff. So maybe they can give me time to record my cou- my hive cast. <laughs> Always fun. Yeah. Um. All right, so I'm going to move into uh, another Mexican item. Um, now, these, I'm pretty sure these aren't necessarily vintage, but they're these bootlegs. And uh, the one I've always seen before is the one with the big black beard on it. Um, right. Now, this right. one doesn't black, have the black beard. Black beard Chewbacca. Black beard Chewbacca. And uh, this one, it doesn't have the beard, but it's got a crazy, like, semi-automatic weapon. He's looking like he's... <laughs> Yes, yeah. like a, a Mexican gorilla or something, yeah. it, it, and not it, not the gorilla with the go. I'm talking about the the other, the or, other gorilla. Or maybe both. We it don't could be know. Both. You yeah. know maybe could, I don't think there are any gorillas in Mexico, but if they are, it may not be a bad <laughs> idea to have 
you know, a <laughs> semi-automatic rifle if you live like in a border town or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, that one sold for ten bucks, so it's a nice little uh, uh, inexpensive buy for a Chewbacca collector. If I was collecting Chewie, I would, I would definitely want that thing. <laughs> you, you know, that's again, this is the peril of not looking at eBay. Uh, every day anymore because <laughs> I definitely would have would have got that because it does look like that 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 weapon came with it. Yeah. Oh, if you're um, the person who bought that, uh, contact me. I'll buy you. I'll buy just the weapon for ten dollars. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I also <laughs> like that you you bought out the 1977 earrings. Um, yes. Because now I, what? In my what's the story on those? <laughs> okay, so there are these earrings, and uh, they were one of the first Star Wars things ever. Okay, that's what I figured. Uh, with these, with these earrings, and uh, I was talking about it with um, with one of the the two Steves who I interviewed, who's the Chewbacca okay. focus collector, and uh, yeah, we were talking about that. And it's, it's nice to see, you know, ten bucks. And again, a lot of this vintage miscellaneous stuff. I mean, what are you doing not having ten dollar nineteen seventy seven Chewbacca earrings for ten dollars? You know. <laughs> Like, 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 yeah. what, like what, what did you do instead of that, you know? Oh, did, did, <laughs> did you go out and did you get a, a plate of lasagna at Olive Garden, you know? I mean, come on. People I just... take – even though my ears aren't pierced, I think I'd still get exactly. the earrings. <laughs> Actually, uh, one of the people I interviewed, uh, Derek, Uncle Gundy, he, okay. um, he gave me one of, just one of those and I, I put it nice. in my hat. And that's, there you uh, go. That's a good alternative. Yeah, that, that's um. a, a, pretty good, a pretty good one. <laughs> um, what else um, you got for us, Steve? Uh, let's see. And one thing I've never really paid that close attention to the 15-inch figure for this. That face just freaks me out for some reason. It, I, it's something about that thing's eyes just don't look right. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure you must have one of these. Uh, there was a loose one that sold for uh, about it was about 50 bucks. Yeah, um, 50 bucks. And it had it had both the uh, the accessories with it. But uh, I, this, it just trips me out, this, the face on this Chewbacca. And that's, I was just about to get on this point. Chewbacca is one of those characters that he's represented in so many different ways that you could just... <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't know. That's, well, that's the best thing about him to me is finding these really strange interpretations of what, what this thing is. Well, well, but, uh, well, Steve, now you're asking me to get all sky on everybody again. Oh, man. Oh, well, what have I done? That's part of the reason that, that I that I collect Chewbacca is that very reason, that yeah. Lucas himself had to intervene with the merchandisers saying, no, too mean. He's not mean. He's nice. But <laughs> that's what makes him so interesting. Not only – I mean from an artistic standpoint, how do you represent fur and plastic, right? That's right, the main thing right. that, that people – that all artists have to contend with. The other right. thing is, how do you get that expression? And both the yeah. vintage 15-inch and the vintage Kenner figure, in order to achieve that balance of scary and loving, they yeah. just have this look that's like, it's like, you know, when people take a picture of you and you're not looking and you're in the middle of a conversation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's what it's like. He's like, oh, and also, by the way, I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, but yeah. it's also the the this is the 15 inch figure. It's the only one that really gets the the makeup on Peter Mayhew. If you ever see pictures of Peter right, Mayhew right. with his uh, the, the with his dark, mask the on, dark, yeah, exactly. All that dark uh, stuff around his eyes. It really it's like totally just matches it perfectly. Yeah, yeah it totally matches it. And also, I mean, the, the 15 inch Chewbacca doesn't get quite enough credit. I don't think. I mean, the the bandolier strap is really cool because you can take off. I don't know if you know this, Steve. You can take off the little bandolier things and attach oh. it to his gun huh that's pretty cool 
But the, of course, the only problem is, and this was going to be my opening before I went into the whole alien rights thing, uh. <laughs> was uh, no one's ever given a good response as to what Chewbacca has in his bandolier bag. <laughs> um, one thing I read said it was food and more ammunition. Okay. And I don't know about you, but how much more ammunition do you need? You know? Yeah, I mean, I, you I never even You never even seen him reloading, you know? <laughs> no, that's true. I, I buy the food, but I, I don't think I'd. <laughs> okay, food. So he's what? Seven foot three. Yeah, he's like got to eat a lot. Four hundred pounds. He's not going to eat. What is? What is he going to eat? Like, like a like a Snickers bar. <laughs> I, 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 what I think is maybe like you know like a tools like his hydro spanners or, or. There you go. I, I, I don't know, like a phone to like call up Mala and and Itchy back <laughs> home. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Uh, uh, you had to do it, Steve. I did, yeah. Um, so this – did you have one of these birthday candles on your birthday cake? I, I, I really hope you did. I didn't. Uh, oh. I, I do love the birthday candles. I remember someone uh, sold a whole case of them, and I, I lost the auction a couple of years ago. Oh, um, man. Which is probably a That's good thing. <laughs> anyway, this is this uh, this three-and-a-half-inch um, birthday candle from uh, – was it Wilton? Wilton, and, uh, I don't know why. It's just when I see the shape of this thing, it reminds me of like a not Chewbacca, but like a a blob version of him. Because he, right, he just, his shoulders don't even show. He's just got this huge. He just looks like a Chewbacca blob. I can just see him kind of like uh, like snailing across the floor at you. Kind of freaky. Right. But, uh, matter of fact, why don't we do a uh, an unsolicited uh, advertisement here? So okay. uh, we'll include a link to this, and it's a, it's a buy it now. Oh no, it's sold. Oh, well, there oh yeah. Go. Yeah, but there's oh, probably sold. more of these out there. There's probably more of these. Call yeah. up, call up Todd uh, um, Chamberlain at the Toy Chamber Collectibles because this is the kind of thing he always has. Yeah. And five this bucks, one, it, five it, bucks, you can't really beat it, man. It's <laughs> no, it's a great, it's a great candle. And what's great is they, you're right. Like they, in order to make it into a candle, they had to extend his head, so yeah. all the way down, so his arms yeah. don't come out. Yeah. So he looks kind of like that old <laughs> character from the, you know, the Schmoo. From the forties. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out. You reminded me of something. And... It's, it's or or it's actually very much like cousin it from. Uh, yeah, Adam's yeah, cousin it. That like, would work. Like covered yeah. up with hair and, and no arms, no <laughs> legs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, last but not least, uh, this is kind of going back to our roots here. Um, yes. The uh, <laughs> the Chewbacca underoos from nineteen eighty three. Oh yes. And these were sadly unsold. They were priced at thirty nine ninety nine. Now I I think really they're priceless. But uh... they are. <laughs> I, I was actually explaining to my son the other day the difference between priceless and worthless. And uh, oh, that's a good discussion. Yes, these are definitely priceless. And here we can give the commercial. Go to Todd Chamberlain. Go to Toy Chamber Collectibles and uh, on eBay and look up Chewbacca underoos and. Forty bucks. You're not going to regret it. Uh, take them out of the out of the box. Take a picture of yourself wearing them. We'll put them <laughs> up on the on the Kivecast homepage. Uh, <laughs> at least half of what I just said is true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, Chewbacca underoos are great. I don't know. Steve, did you ever hear about how I got my underoos? No, I don't think I've ever heard the story. Oh, okay, that's that's a really bad way to start uh, a story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the judge said I was free to go. Um, no, <laughs> I. Uh, I was pretty smart about it. I'm like, how can I? How can I have underoos? How can you buy underoos for yourself? Like, there's just no good way to do it. No. So every year, my wife buys me one Chewbacca item, 
and usually I pick it out for her. So she bought me AFA graded underoos from oh, okay. the Lucasfilm archives. Oh, from a uh, was it the stuff that was at the uh, that celebration in, in LA? Yes, yeah, from C four. Okay. Okay. So it's like, how many levels of defense can I have? It's like, <laughs> m- my wife bought it, A, B, uh, it's in a box. It's in a acrylic box, which I cannot open. C, True. it's never been opened before, which has been seen by the box. And then D, Lucas himself had it in his warehouse until yes. he sold it to me. This didn't even see the store. Not even, you know, a, a six-year-old kid never even saw these, uh, these <laughs> underoos. So I have, I have the world's most uh, unimpeachable pair of underoos. Most clean pair of underoos on the yes, planet. Probably. Yes, the most clean pair of underoos. Yeah. All right, oh, man, Steve. that's great. Well, that, well that, that's, that rounds it out, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure if that quite satisfied all the Chewbacca collectors out there, but uh, I, I try to get a little bit of everything again. So, no, that, that's awesome, Steve. I think speaking of all the Chewbacca collectors out there, maybe we should give our, our little intro to the to the the mega yak. So, uh, all right. I just now, Steve. How many other B wing collectors are there out there? There was one that I remember a couple months ago posted asking if anyone <laughs> collected B-Wing pilots. And uh, I haven't – I had told him to, to hit me up if he had any uh, questions or needed help with anything. I haven't heard from him, but that's the only one I can think of uh, other than me. Yeah, but, okay. So that, that maybe maybe that, 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 that shows this, this experiment not be, may not work uh, in uh, yeah. 47 months. Probably but, not. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, the idea was, you know, I know obviously when you are a focus collector, you tend to know the other people who collect the same character as you. Right. And uh, I thought, well, why not see how many interviews I can get? So I came up with a fairly generic questionnaire. Okay. Um, and I I asked all of them these these same questions. I mean, I let the I let the I didn't know if I was going to do it like question by question or interview by interview. I think I'm going to go question by question because it'll be interesting to hear all the different responses, kind of like in a row. Now I like that. That's going to be a total pain to edit, but whatever. <laughs> um, it kind of kills your raw thing, but I think it, it's worth it. It kills my raw thing, but but the idea is, and what you're going to hear is kind of like the definitive interview with yeah. with the Mount Rushmore of Chewbacca collectors, um, <laughs> at least people who are collecting vintage. As of 2004, that were well known. I mean, there are people right. before who people have told me about, and I'm, I'm sure they're great and they have collections that are amazing. But I've just never, never met them or had any personal interaction with them. Unfortunately, you will not be hearing from Todd Hudson. Uh, we weren't able to match up our schedule, so hopefully, we'll get to him next month. That's right, more Chewbacca. Don't know that. Here's how this works. You're going to hear either Lobart or myself ask a question from the specially formulated Chewbacca questionnaire. You're then going to hear the responses from every collector. The people who participated are uh, Derek, Uncle Gundy, Ho, who is a very famous international super collector and who actually does not uh, focus on Chewbacca anymore. In a similar vein, you will hear from Steve McCartney from England, who also does not collect Chewbacca anymore, but had an amazing collection at one point. Uh, You also hear from two collectors uh, who are active in Pennsylvania, uh, Bradley Portnoy and Steve Renzi. And then finally, you will hear from myself. Why did you choose Chewbacca? 
Derek? Uh, well, it kind of fell into place uh, on its own. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I think uh, at the time when, when I started collecting publicly or, or I, I joined the forums and all, I was actually collect. My intention was to collect every uh, carded variation that there was uh, for the Star Wars uh, vintage right. line. <laughs> And, uh, and you somehow, completed, you completed rather, that two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> You're a funny guy. <laughs> no, but, but somehow or rather, uh, I guess uh, I accumulated the most uh, variations for, for Chewbacca. And uh, so I kind of, you know, when I, when I put it all together, kind of thought that, oh, okay, it's pretty cool. I've, I've made quite a bit of progress for, for Chewbacca. So why don't I... You know, try to collect other things other than just the the standard min on card variation. Right. And uh, Chewbacca was also maybe a starting point for me because at that point of time, I didn't know that Todd and you were collecting it yet. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad? Um, not too sure. Uh, I guess knowing Bill Cable and how he had a focus right. on Rebio, um, I uh, took the lead from that and said, you know, what would be a, a neat character that I didn't think many people would be into? And uh, <laughs> You chose poorly on I, that front, my friend. <laughs> I, I think I did. I think I did. But uh, it turned out pretty good, I guess, in the long run. Steve McCartney. Um, always one of my favorite characters uh, from the original films. Um, I, I don't really know who it was with him as a character. I think it was the... The whole sort of like loyalty between sort of him and Han Solo, and you know they'd always try and protect each other. And, and I don't know, just the you know the, the seven foot tall, hairy Wookiee dumb as he is, and right. you know just born to him as a completely different character out of everybody that was on uh, the Star Wars trilogy. So yeah, really just loved it. Steve Renzi. Uh, it was really no decision at all. I've, uh, Chewbacca has always like represented the core principles of life of life to me that are strength honor and loyalty all right awesome so it's so it's kind of like a, a spiritual thing kind of like right right from the get-go almost like that just, yeah i mean he's got the physical and moral strength you know he's right. never wavering surface of his principles the honor of his life debt you know and most of all it's his loyalty that he's remembered for the most he has that loyalty that says no matter what i will stand by you and shall not waver right sky well, it uh, it actually goes back to uh, it goes goes back a while. Uh, it goes to our other brother Bart. Have you ever met uh, Amos? <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 our brother. And uh, at at the time when I was collecting around '95, um, when I first sort of started '94, '95, that area. Uh, let's see, uh, Low Bart, you were out in California. Uh, I I didn't see much of of Uncle Ward's. So I mainly hung around with my brother Amos. And uh, he's really into being a uh, alpha male, wouldn't you say? That's that's pretty safe uh, to say, Bart. Yeah, yeah. He's like he'd like to be the progenitor, but he was third. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and uh, and and that really worked well for me, you know, because I, I was, you know, I was kind of a loser, um, and uh, you can refrain from making a joke, Bart. Um, <laughs> so back then I, I was kind of a loser and I was all right, but I, I definitely felt like I was a, a sidekick in life. And, uh, that was right around the time when he got married and I was his best man. And it just kind of felt like, uh, that was the, the figure that I, I related to. And, 
basically when they started coming out with all the new Star Wars toys, I just realized I need to pick one. And I was, you know, tempted with Boba Fett, uh, but I wisely decided not to go down that superficial route, and uh, I went, I went with Chewie. When did you choose Chewbacca? Derek. Uh, I would say probably early 2000, probably about 2001. Brad. 2001, 2002. Yeah. So yeah. Pretty long time, almost 10 years, I guess. Steve McCartney. Um, it's probably about six months after I um, first came into Rebel Scum. Um, I don't know if you remember back, I started a thread um, about looking to sort of change the, the way that I was actually collecting, moving into more of a focus. And obviously a few people, I think one of you, you, you were one of them, right. put a few ideas up on the thing. And even at that point, you know, I had quite a lot of Chewy um, stuff in my collection. I'd chosen um, a Chewy picture as, as my avatar. And it was almost like the natural progression from where I was in my collecting days to, to what was, um, you know, the Chewy collection that I had over in Cheltenham. So. Right. So just, just kind of happened like that. I, I definitely remember that thread because, you know, whenever anyone starts the thread of, hey, what, what, what should I collect? I always think, don't, don't pick Chewbacca, don't pick it's Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as, as, this, uh, as this podcast is proof, it's actually – it's more fun to have more people on the party even though it's, uh, it's more competition as well. Steve Renzi. I started uh, the summer of 2004. Okay. Uh, collecting character focus. I had just joined the uh, Pennsylvania Star Wars group, the Pennsylvania Star Wars Collector Society, and it was Bill Cable who talked me into uh, starting a focus collection. Right. Sky. Well, I chose, I guess that was around 95, I guess whenever Power of the Force 2 was. I remember going down to the, the Toys R Us in... Uh, in Fresh Pond. There used to be a Toys R Us in Fresh Pond in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I kind of bought one of each. Uh, not because I thought they were valuable, but because I had literally been waiting for three years, waiting for them to come out with new toys. And right around then was when I, I, I picked Chewbacca. And then I started collecting vintage. It must have been around 2003. Does that, does that sound right, Bart? Is that what you remember? That sounds right, yep. Yeah, I mean, and it started to kick in pretty strong, maybe... Two years after that? No. Yeah, yeah, it was around 2004, you know, and then I really got into the forums, and then I went to Celebration, and it just kind of kept on uh, snowballing. Sweet. And you can see one of your original Chewbacca Chuseums on the Chuseum on top of the uh, refrigerator, right? Yeah, that's right. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, you can see the original Chuseum. Uh, at that point, I called it the Chewbacca Altar, and that was uh, me and the, the drummer... Well, I was the drummer in a band, and I was living in an apartment with uh, the lead guitarist and the singer, and uh, the bass player. And I like, hey man, I'm gonna set up these. Uh, I'm gonna set up uh, on top of the refrigerator all these Chewbacca toys. So that was the origin, and it's only it's only gone it's only gone on from there. What item in your collection are you most sentimental about, Derek? Can't narrow it down to one item, but I probably have. Three, three items for three different reasons. Good. Well, let's hear all three, uh, Derek. We, we all want to, you know, I'm waking you up here, so uh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, first, the first item would probably be the Chromalins from, from Tom Nihizo, Night Hizo or Nihizo, when, when uh, I got hold of his list of amazing pre-production uh, stuff, uh, I was amazed that the pair of chromalins for, for Chewbacca, or I, I think at that point of time, maybe even three three chromalins were available. 
but I could only afford two. Uh, I, I was surprised that you know a main character, uh, original uh, Star Wars character uh, figure or, or choice was still still there for the taking, and and it wasn't snapped up previously. Right. So so that that was probably also a, a starting point uh, because mo- moving me off from just typical minimum card figures. Right, and that was that was and what like two two thousand three two thousand four. When when was that 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 you first got that list? That, that was that was probably earlier to to two thousand two, closer to two thousand two. Two thousand two. Okay, wow. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, because you know when and, I when I started, and, there was still stuff on that list. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think uh, the other two items would probably be the ESB forty seven proof. Uh-huh. Uh, that is uh, only because uh, I got it from Steve York, right? Who is you know notorious for being Steve York. Yes, and, and I was uh, <laughs> amazed that I could get that sorted with him with little or not much trouble. Right. So... That's that's actually uh, you know I, I'm going to be interviewed myself, and I'm I'm uh, I'm probably going to talk about that because well we can talk about it now. But that was my introduction to to Derek Ho to Uncle Gundy in in person was. Uh, I flew on the same airplane as uh, as Steve York, or at least I saw his his batch. You know, it was, I was it was C three, right? And so I was kind of new. I didn't really know anybody, and I just I saw the proof through through this like plastic box, and I'm like, oh oh man, I didn't really know that much. I'm like, that looks really oh boy, how could I work this out? Jeez, I wonder how much it's worth. And then I just see Derek come right in and take it. I said to Dean, "Who is that?" And he's like, "That's Der- that's Uncle Gundy." I'm like, "Ah!" <laughs> so that was a very exciting moment to see that in person. And I I was a fly on the wall when you picked that up. That, that's a beautiful piece because it's you know one of a kind. The the last item that uh, I I like a lot or, or I'm sentimentally uh, attached to is it's also probably the Meccano Chewbacca twelve uh, pack. You're just turning the, the knife, uh, Derek. You're picking all the ones that uh, <laughs> that hurt me personally. The chromalin, which is what I'm dying for. The 47 back, which was taken away from me. And then the McConnell 12 back. <laughs> it's all for different reasons. Uh, yeah. But... The, the, the McConnell was, was, was funny because the, the McConnell uh, was at a time that I started to get frustrated with, with collecting uh, Chewbacca stuff. Right. Because of the the lack of stuff that that was available, or, or the competition to get stuff that was available, right. and the the Meccano was good for two reasons: because it it fell into place for for being part of uh, my Chewbacca focus, and the other was that it was uh, foreign. Right. And uh, at that point of time, I think, or maybe even earlier, uh, I think probably I start. I I don't I don't say I'm the first few to to to, to do foreign. But I started forum uh, quite a long time ago, right. so I've seen prices go like you know when foreign stuff was getting uh, selling for cheaper than Canada stuff. You know when people was like, "Oh, you you selling me a, a Spanish card? You selling me a Lily Lady? Oh, then it's got to be cheaper than than the standard uh, Canada figure." Right. But from now, you know, people are paying like crazy premiums for it. And I still don't believe the numbers that that, that people are throwing uh, at, at foreign variations or or, or carded stuff, regular right, so, production stuff. So, so the story on that so, for, for everybody who doesn't know, this was at C4, and Derek had the 
Derek had the drop. He was in earlier than uh, he got in. He had like the special exhibitor pass, whatever it was, and he found the exact right yeah. seller. And I remember because I was waiting in line for the celebration exclusive. I don't know the Macquarie Luke or something stupid. And someone walks up to me and is like, <laughs> Derek just got a Meccano 20 back Chewbacca. I'm like, oh, well, at least it wasn't a 12 back, but ah, oh, that's terrible. No, no, it was a 12 back. I, I know. And then they're like, no, it was oh, a yeah, 12 yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> and seriously, that that is the closest I've ever come to fainting because I thought that it was the fact I was waiting in line for a Hasbro exclusive that I missed it. I mean – you, you you can't out Gundy Gundy. That's the that that's the law. But uh, uh, but, anyway. but that was that one was also also really funny because I I remember going in. I mean having a, a, a exhibitors pass to get in early uh, gives you a small advantage, but doesn't give you all the advantage because you know the rest of the the hardcore guys right. somehow or rather also get their exhibitor passes and and are already in, and and I was uh, surprised that. You know, every, everybody was going to their usual places. They were like hit, trying to hit the prototypes, maybe Jordan's booth and right. and, and and maybe James booth or, or Todd's booth. And then I just uh, I did a quick turnover and I saw, I mean, once over on on all those booths, and I see that there was too many people crowding around it. Right. And then I started just <laughs> going to the rest of the, the the places where where there wasn't so many people, and and I was kind of lucky because then came one 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 guy or two guys that were unpacking and, and they were just taking regular cutted stuff out and and then yeah the Meccano comes out uh, along with some other other great uh, foreign pieces as well uh, Spanish cuts and, and German yeah. cuts and, and I started picking them off and, well, and I was surprised there was nobody around it was just me uh, <laughs> picking those stuff up that's great that, that's and, the thing about Derek is he, he deserves all the good things that happened to him because he's uh... <laughs> You're, you're, you you help out your fellow collectors, even jerks like me who make it harder to collect Chewbacca. So, but. Brad working a deal with uh, Steve McCartney, um, Steve Mack, and right. uh, he uh, he hooked me up with a piece that I really wanted. It was the um, Bop bag. Steve oh, McCartney. Chewbacca Steve Renzi. Spectacular! It's in great condition. Sky. The box is sealed. Uh, it's just a beautiful piece. It's one of the pieces I've wanted for a really long time. I, I love that. It was, it was funny, but I was just talking to to Steve about that because he has it on his on his uh, his master list. And I'm like, yeah, but you forgot to mention the Clipper Bot bag, and that's been that's been torturing me because I don't even know if I've ever seen a picture of it. But it's I believe it's out there, right? Have you ever seen one? I have not even seen it. No, I uh, I would imagine it would be. Yeah, because the, the rest um, are out there in Clipper. But yeah, those those bop bags. We may have to do an entire episode just about bop bags because the artwork is great. The picture of the kids is great. I mean, everything. Those are just awesome pieces. The non-licensed stuff. I know you have a real affinity for my menorah yes. that I received. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I was uh, I was getting to that. So again, for the audience, this is maybe my favorite Chewbacca item of all time in any collection anywhere. Brad has a Chewbacca menorah or Chewbacca. No, I, every, every year I email you and say happy Chewbacca, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) which I hope isn't offensive somehow. I I don't think it is. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But, uh, yeah, it's it's better than the, the Chewbacca with the, uh, Oh right. Yeah. That and the shirt and the, the hat making them look like a Hasidic Jew, which was, Sometimes could be offensive if you take it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, that 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 T-shirt's been on eBay for years, and that's uh, of all the wacky Chewbacca T-shirts I've ever seen. I've, that's one I didn't get. 
That's, uh, yeah, that, that one can cross the line sometimes yeah. if you're not with the right people. <laughs> so, so you didn't make the menorah yourself. What's the origin of, of, of this menorah? That was um, a Rebel Scum uh, holiday um, gift. It was – we had the, uh, the Secret Scummer. Oh, okay. And I got it about three years ago from my Secret Scummer. And uh, I'm not sure (coughs) how they knew I was Jewish, or maybe I said Happy Hanukkah in one of my posts, and they picked up from that. But um, it was uh, it's a nice piece of wood um, with (coughs) I'm sorry, no problem. um, Eight bolts painted blue, eight (laughs) not painted blue, uh, to hold the eight candles, and then Chewbacca was the uh, the shamus with a uh, a nut on his head painted blue with a, a talus painted on, on the vintage Chewbacca. It's, it's really <laughs> cool. It's, it's a really cool piece. Wow. That, and who, 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 who made it for you? Did, you? did you ever find out the who made it? I actually think they found it at um, like a flea market. I don't believe they made it. Really? I believe it was a, a flea market find, uh, and they just said, wow, that would be a perfect gift for my secret scummer. Wow, the the no, the, intrigue, the intrigue the uh, intrigue deepens. Yeah, that that's the best of the secret scummer. I, someone made me uh, like um, a couple of customs as well uh, a couple of years ago, and that that's just the best. I mean, getting Steve McCartney. One of them actually turned about the, the the main one that was most sentimental to me probably was one of the most valuable. It was the uh, the steel mold right. from uh, the top toys side of things and um i can still remember the day when another collector contacted me about them i hadn't listed them for sale right <laughs> and he said you know are you going to be selling them and i was like yeah definitely you know they're going to be going uh, and i believe that he was after them when uh, when todd hudson uh, sold them a few years a few years prior right so when they when they finally got sold we sorted out the deal and uh, they were sent off in the post that was probably quite a sentimental day because that was one of the big things that uh, when it came into my collection i was really really happy with it Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I wanted to talk too about what it's like to to actually sell it off. So I mean, that was was that the hardest thing to pack up, or was the fact that it was such a it brought in so much money? Did that make it easier, or or what what was it like uh, sending it off? It, it probably made it easier. The fact that, that there was a high value on it, um, there was obviously a lot of weight involved as well as you can quite imagine. So the, the <laughs> shipping cost I think for those uh, it was an international sale. Was probably near on a hundred pounds. Oh my god, so hundred pounds! Is, yeah, wow. so whatever that is in US dollars, so so pretty high up. But um, it was one that I knew was going to go to a good home, so that certainly made it easier. Um, but it was one that I, I really didn't want to let go. But once I'd made the decision to to sell up the the Chewy collection, it had to go eventually. So I had to sort of go with the flow on it. Steve Renzi. Uh, my favorite piece is the Rumpf California sign. Oh, nice. That was I got that when I first started collecting Chewbacca because it's such a famous Chewbacca piece. So that is still my, one of my, my number one Chewbacca piece, followed closely by just the loose vintage figure. But Well, yeah, that, that Rumpf, that's a great answer because that's like, you know, the, the original Star Wars collectible from Lucas's brain was, was that, so... It's, it's, uh, it, it, I'm pretty sure it's also, it was also the first Chewbacca item offered because it was made in 77 before all the figures and stuff started coming out. What's weird though is he's got those kind of – those. I'll put these in the show notes. He's got kind of like, like rabbit teeth. Buck teeth? Like, yeah, like yeah, buck the teeth. rabbit buck teeth. Yeah. It's also amazing how many different variants of glazing you can see on them. Right. Because I actually bought two. I bought one to donate 
to this year's summer social. So it was the 10th year of the Pennsylvania Star Wars Club. I wanted to have like a nice big donation to the prize support table. Right. And um, the, the mugs have kind of come down in price where you can get them for under 40 bucks if, you, if you're patient enough. And so I grabbed one. And actually the one I got was ni- had a nicer glaze than the original one I bought. So I put the original one on the table and kept the, kept the new one I bought. It had uh, a darker glaze on it. Sky. As far as actual collectibles, I would say my uh, – I'd either say the underoos that Karen got me, and I, I discussed those with Steve a little bit earlier. Um, it was really sweet of her to, to – my wife to get me, uh, me underoos. Um, or I'd say the, the first uh, carded vintage figure I got, which was AFA 75 um, back when I, I didn't know – Anything about AFA, and I got it from Cloud City Collectibles. AFA seventy-five twelve back for three hundred and twenty-five dollars, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is the greatest!" And I carried it around with me everywhere I went. I took it down to L.A. I lived in Oakland at the time. I took it down to L.A. to show everybody at the party, and they, they were like, "Hey, what's this goofy stuff around the? Uh, what's this goofy plastic?" And I didn't know that they were sealed, so I kept on trying to crack the plastic open to get the figure out because I didn't know that you know there was an importance to it being sealed. Um, so yeah, ironically, my most uh, sentimental item is probably an AFA graded figure. That's cool. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. And it it was funny. It happens to a lot of people who started post 2002, you know, I mean, if, if you start collecting vintage in the AFA era, a lot of people start off that way and then they kind of, you know, evolve or move on from there. What is your holy or hairy grail? Derek, I guess if you if you you're maybe depends on how you define a, a grail piece. Right. If, if it's a grail piece that it is realistically possible or bordering on 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 impossible, but but maybe with a glimmer of hope of of being able to acquire, I would say uh, the pair of uh, ESB forty eight proofs, right. of which at least one lies with you. <laughs> <laughs> so probably, I mean that. Which is something that that somehow may happen, but uh, for other things that would be difficult, would probably or, or I, I I won't imagine having it in my lifetime. Would probably be the wax wax scalp right. on the archive. Steve McCartney. Yeah, there, there, there was a couple of items that I knew they were out there, and uh, I know they've ended up in your collection. Uh, oh, good. The, uh, <laughs> the the power of the force proof from Chromalin. So. Right. Um, some some pretty awesome items. I knew that uh, they were obviously going to be sold up at some point, and uh, I, I think uh, I think it ended up in a very good collection. So I'm, I'm certainly happy with that. But I would have loved to have had one of those, just one of them for a very short space of time. But, uh, <laughs> they well, you know, maybe uh, potentially rent them, but never never sell them. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's any consolation to you, those were uh, absolutely at the top of my list. So. Uh... That was, yeah, I, I can quite imagine. So uh, if, I, if I ever make it over stateside, I'm definitely going to come and see them. Just to hold them once will be pretty cool. So. <laughs> take, take a picture of you with them. And... Steve Rensey. I would like to get my first 12 back this year. Okay, so Sometime just like... By the end of this, yeah, uh, my first 12 back. I'm, I'm, I'm hosting one of the Star Wars meetings in August, and I would like to have a, a 12 back as my show and tell. That'd be great, yeah, and really. Because I'm, I'm just, I'm just now dipping into trying to get a vintage run together. It's, it's I have, very I have, dangerous. Um, six, <laughs> yeah, I have six. I have six of them now. Uh huh. So, 
Sky. Well, as as far as something that I'm I'm searching for, I think of it in like uh, I hate to be a pain, but I, I I think of it in kind of three three sets. There's like uh, the original photo art for Chewbacca, which is never going to show up, so that's impossible to find and very unlikely I'd ever get it. Well, it's not that hard to find. I know where it is, but I'll probably never wind up with it. Um, so that's kind of inaccessible. As far as things that exist and I may be able to get in trade eventually one day is uh, a chromalin of the uh, uh, of the Endor photo, which Derek uh, has. And I've we've uh, we've spoken about it from time to time, and we'll we'll see if we we can trade Grails someday. Um, and then finally, very very easy to get. Comparatively, is I, I love a Meccano 12 back. Um, that's just always been. I mean, the first time I saw a picture of that, I, I saved it to my hard drive and wrote. I think I wrote my Ferrari or something stupid on it because <laughs> that. I mean, that to me, you know, being a French teacher and everything, I love that. But I've, I've gotten a lot more patient with that. I know I'll get one in the next 15 years, and that's fine. Wow! So you don't break into a sweat when you say Meccano anymore? No, I don't. <laughs> All right, so if you stopped, why did you stop? Uncle Gundy. It's, taught, it's uh, somehow listening and, and we'll get, get news of this. Yes, it's because of Todd and Sky. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, I, I, I'm lucky in a sense, maybe lucky or, not, or unlucky that I have so many focus. So right. uh, when things get a bit slow or I find competition a little bit keen, then uh, I try to focus on, on, on my other focus. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you, you single-handedly destroy the meaning of the word focus, but I, I think we all, we all read you. Don't know that. Do you identify with Chewbacca in any ways? Steve McCartney. Yeah. I, I think it comes down to the loyalty side of things. You know, you know I've, got, um, I've got some great friends over here in the, in, in the UK. And I've, got some, I've actually got some really good friends out in the States that, that are British. And, you know, it's, it's quite a small friends group, but we're all very loyal to each other. And you really know where you stand with people. So, you know, for me, it's probably that side. Um, just that, that, that whole loyalty side of Chewbacca to, to Han Solo. Right. Eric Ho. I don't. I don't identify with him personally. Right. I, I'm. I'm. I'm Asian. I'm short. <laughs> Sky. Yeah, I, I think I do. I mean, obviously, with the the origin of my my collecting being that I felt like a sidekick. Um, I think I do. I mean, it's. Uh, we, we discussed this a little bit earlier on the on the Kivecast. Steve and I did about how I've sort of come to look more like Chewbacca over time, um, sort of unintentional on my part. But, uh, I mean, I definitely think, yeah, I like to think of myself as someone that's very loyal, and I think that's something that's popped up a lot, is, is people who feel that they're loyal tend to gravitate towards, uh, towards Chewbacca. So what was your favorite Chewie moment in the trilogy? Brad Portnoy. I guess I have to say, outside the trilogy would be when he finally gets his medal. Okay. Uh, with the, the MTV Awards, when they actually realized, you know what? He was there, too, and he deserves it. Steve McCartney. And do, do you have a, a favorite uh, moment from the trilogy of Chewbacca? Yeah, no. Um, the, the main one for me was uh, when he was sat on the Millennium Falcon after um, talking to C-3PO, and he sat back in the chair with his hands behind his head and uh, 
Han Solo's just basically said that anybody that beats him at the chess game is going to rip their arms off. Right. And that, for me, was just absolutely classic. So he just sat there with that grin on his face to say, don't mess, you know, yeah. I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah, that, so, yeah, that, that, that really brought it home for me as to what he was for a character. He's, he's almost like the gentle giant. I think that's probably the way of looking at it. Right. It's funny because that was your avatar, right? Or maybe it still is the the Hasbro uh, yeah, figure. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, the cartoon, the cartoon version of it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because that that figure that Hasbro released of him with his hands behind his head, it's really not that good of a figure. But I must have like fifteen of them because I always pick them up when I see him because I love that moment so much. And even though the figure isn't that great, it's uh, it's one of those things where you're just really happy that even though it's not vintage, at least it's uh, at least it's that really great moment. Yeah, it's a great moment in the films, definitely. Steve Renzi. Uh, Revenge of the Jedi when he wins the Battle of Endor and saves the Rebel Alliance. There you go. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much single-handedly did that whole thing, I, I, as far as I see it. But, yeah. yeah when, he, when he took that ATST, that was the turning point of the battle. It was. Sky. There's a lot to choose from. Uh, I, I'd have to say the one that always gets me is uh, is the mouse droid. Um. Just, just because that's—I don't know. I mean, I guess you did ask me if I if I associate with Chewbacca in some way, or if I feel like him. Definitely in the morning, like if I stub my toe or something, or I'm notoriously grumpy in the morning. Have you ever experienced that, Bart? Yes, I think yeah. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten better at it over the years, but that—that's just how I always feel, you know. Like sometimes I feel like life is just a series of you know people asking you to fill out forms or come in for faculty meetings or, you know, uh, did you do the thing for the taxes or whatever it is? Like all of life can just become, <laughs> you know, and just every once in a while you want to let out that roar. Yeah. So uh, I- I've taken that to be much more than perhaps Lucas intended it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that-, that is a pretty uh, subtle. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a nice shutdown. Definitely. Like, don't even go there, you know, kind of thing. But uh, yeah. And also, that's I mean, pretty, that's a subtle moment, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, but also, I mean, to, 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 because we're letting Sky off the chain here. I mean, it really, a lot of the a lot of the movies is about the the organic versus the you know versus the metallic versus the inorganic, you know. And so, in that one scene, you have Chewbacca, who's like this representation of nature. He doesn't even speak English. He knows a lot about technology, but at the same time, he's you know connected to the trees and all that. And he looks like a dog and a monkey and all that. And then you have inside of this big metal robot, you have this little tiny metal robot that shows up. So in some ways, it's the the, the victory of uh, of the organic of the brown against the black and the white you know the glossy black yeah definitely. yeah so anyways i'm off the chain this month bart i'm off the I chain i should say <laughs> <laughs> you're stepping over stepping into the blue or whatever <laughs> uh let's see if i was going to go with a chewy moment i would do the uh the roar as the uh as the doors close on hawk you got to go with that one i don't know that, yeah. i mean yeah, yeah it's a bit it's a billboard moment i guess but uh you really got to feel for it. I mean, when you're talking loyalty and, and uh, knowing something has gone bad or whatever. Right. Yeah, that was pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Point. Don't know that. What is your feeling about Han Solo? Hate him. <laughs> could, do, could do without the character entirely. No. Uh, Sky. Nah, he's all right, you know, for, for, for what he is. You know, it's funny that... that with the exception of the, I have a two pack, a KB Toy Store two pack with Han in trench coat with Chewbacca, and that's the only item I own 
that has Han Solo on it because I just I don't like it. Like even though I like that he's loyal and I like that he's a sidekick, I, it just bugs me to have items that have Han on it as well. So uh, oh, many times you know people be like, oh look, there's Chewbacca, and you know it's got the uh, it's got the the Han with the with the gun next to him. Like nope, don't want it, don't care. So uh, that's uh, that, that's my feeling on Han. All right. Now you didn't even go for that. Wasn't there a modern one, like a, a movie moment one, where they're like back to back, that kind? Of, that's the one you're talking about, right? Where Han's got his gun up and he's yeah. You know, I did buy that one and I just threw the Han away. Oh, there you go. And then I just chucked it right in the trash. I mean, now now that I have I have children, yeah, you know, I give them the Han. But yeah, no, like uh, I, I would get like they they made one from uh, Japan. Just took out the Han, threw it in the trash. There you go. That that pretty much uh, that pretty much validates your answer, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> Derek, I, I I never I never saw uh, collecting Han as a as a logical I mean not not logical as a as a given right. uh, when doing a, a Chewbacca focus. I always felt I I, I maybe I don't, I don't see Chewbacca as much as a sidekick right to to Han as 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 many people would. Brad really tried to stay away from that, um, just because there's so many different variations with that. Chewbacca is one of the few characters I think that really stayed Chewbacca the whole way through. You've got your C-3PO with the removable limbs. Mm-hmm. You've got um, your different Leia's. You've got your different R2s. So Chewbacca has been one of those pieces that really stayed the same, pretty much the same mold all the way through. So it's kind of you know, not slim pickings, but, you know, a straight-through type of character. Right, yeah, there's a kind of... I often think about that whenever I look at a great R2 or a 3PO focus, that as great as it is to have the little variations, uh, visually, it is kind of disrupting to have it be... You know, to have it switch in Empire to the different card back. And even though you have the second photo art with Chewie, that can kind of... Somehow that always winds up being a... uh, it's like kind of like the end. It's like the last chapter as opposed to half and half. But. How do you feel about other Chewbacca collectors? Hey, Derek? It's tough having competition. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you, you, you do want to collect something else that, frankly, other people, uh, how do you say, covert or, or, or want. Right. Because if you were collecting something that nobody cared for, <laughs> there, there, there wouldn't be much point, uh, I guess. Or uh, it, it might be, I don't know, because I, I do so many focus now, I, I, I've come to the stage where I do collect <laughs> characters where, so that nobody really much right. cares <laughs> for. Uh, but uh, I... I'm. I think I'm okay with 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 most Chewbacca collectors. Right. Because probably because I'm 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 not collecting as 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 uh, strongly as as I was before. And and I'm genuinely happy uh, to see uh, guys score uh, really cool stuff uh, right. recently. And and I think like some of the other Chewbacca collectors have have also. I mean, even contact me about about things they they've, they've they've gotten hold of. Right. Uh, not to show off or anything, but just you know more to share the joy of right. having found, found it, and and I'm sincerely happy, and and, and some stuff are really pretty cool, and, uh, and 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 I I think it's also got to do that. I mean, sometimes I'm, maybe because the same same point that you you raised that because we've been collecting for for quite some time now, uh, I'm happy to see 
not maybe not just Chewbacca items, but but things that go into collections where it's really appreciated, and and that's also maybe probably part of the reason why I'm reluctant to sell, and 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 I sell very selectively, right. because uh, I I don't. It's not because somebody gets something from me and subsequently flips it for a lot more money, uh, but it's more that you know I. I sacri- I mean, not sacrifice. I part. I reluctantly part with an item <laughs> because right. I, I think I think you appreciate it and that it will fall into your collection for some time to come. Right. You right. know, it won't be like there for a month and then uh, two two months later you lose focus or you give up on the hobby altogether or you give up on your focus, and then I see it, you know, broken up or or, or, or selling piecemeal and then I don't know. It's just frustrating. Right. That, uh, I, I just don't know how to describe it. But, okay, like in the case of, of the 48 back, when I heard that it was uh, available, the uh, ESB 48, I, I think Todd got hold of it first. Right. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, – Brad had it, uh, the Chewbacca collector who we're also going to interview. Brad had it, and then he listed yeah. it. And it was – he listed it fairly low, and, and Todd got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you and I both looked at the computer and went, "No." <laughs> I, I, I just felt that, you know, when, when that came up for for sale and and I missed it, my 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 first thought in my mind was, it was surprising. Uh, it was funny and it was surprising. My first thought was that I hope it went to a Chewbacca collector. Right. <laughs> it doesn't kind of make sense because if it went to a Chewbacca collector, it, it means that I'll probably have a horrid time trying to, to <laughs> subsequently get hold of it right. if I ever do. But somehow, you know, if you missed on a good, I missed on a good deal, I just hope that, you know, it goes somewhere else where it's appreciated. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it. yeah I, I, it's, I like... it's a conflicting feeling, like, like you said. Right. But... Uh, so that's why I, I think I, I I immediately I think contacted you and 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 Todd I guess right to like, find out did, did you guys get it and okay if you get it fine right that's good and it was like damn you all for getting it so cheap <laughs> <laughs> Brad meeting people I think that was the best part of it really right meeting people knowing that you know I guess you could call it competition but really wasn't competition at that point it was more of a friendly who's got what and sky. I think too. It's it's all a lot of it's a question of time. I think where, you know, because I remember coming up and especially with Todd and, and Derek. You know, again, like I just, well, you know, I still don't feel like I'm I'm well, I'm definitely nowhere close to their league. You know, but at the same time, I was still competing with them. You know, like the way that I was introduced to Todd was, or he and Derek had agreed they weren't going to bid on a whole bunch of proofs, and. I wasn't in the loop or anything, so I just bid like crazy, and I I won all these proofs. There's like five of them at once, <clears throat> and they were all like, "Who is this Skyrock? Who is this guy?" And they hated me like right off the bat. At C3, he, he Todd came up to me and like, "You're Skyrock," you know. But uh, after years, you know, when it became clear that I wasn't just some guy just you know raising the prices, that's where I think it became more friendly. Steve McCartney. The camaraderie between the collectors um, has been pretty good over the years. So um, there's always been a good bit of banter online. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about appreciating, you know, what people have got rather than, you know, sort of going, oh, he's got something that I need. So, right. yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a nice way of putting it. I know it's it's really funny because when, when someone else comes along, and I mean, I'm, for a long time, I was the the new guy collecting Chewbacca, on, at least vintage Chewbacca on the block. And I remember it's always kind of like, "Hey, cool, good to see you, get away. Hey, it's nice to see you, get away. I like you. Hey, let's hang out." You know, like it, it's at the same time as it's as it's uh, getting closer, it's also pushing away. But uh, Steve Renzi, how do you feel about other Chewbacca collectors? Do you feel like they've been you know, helpful or you, jealous. You've or... been more than helpful to me, first of all. Oh, well, good. Uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm, first of all, I'm honored to be on this podcast. I appreciate being, you know, even considered someone to be interviewed as a Chewbacca collector up in that echelon of, you know, other people. But your 2ZM website was very instrumental and helped me start off the list back in the day with your vintage and modern sections. Oh, awesome. And then I owe you a big thanks at C5 the room sales. You you let me um, grab that millennium minted coin proof that I've been looking for for years. All right. First dibs on. Yeah. Oh yeah, to, that's you know, right. Someone asked your permission if I was allowed to have it. <laughs> I didn't want to take it from you, but you know it was something I was looking for for a long time. So yeah, I owe you a big thanks. But well, mostly my. Mo- Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just it's, – it's funny because I, I still feel like I'm totally new because there's – you know, there was Derek and there was Todd Hudson. So I always feel like I have to ask someone else if I can buy something. So it was funny to have someone come up and be like, hey, is this cool? I don't want to poach it from you. It's like, oh, yeah, of course it's well, cool. Yeah, the, running, the running joke at C5 was I was going to get a shirt that says Andy Loney vouches for my character and wear it at the room sales because <laughs> I tend to drop his name sometimes to like, you know – Right. Well, sometimes sometimes you have to. I mean, it, I, I think it was C C three. That was the first one I went to, and John Alvarez knew who I was, and no one else did. So I was always kind of like, "Hey, yeah, I was just talking to John you know, Alvarez." Anyways, how how you doing, guys? <laughs> Most of the, my interactions with our Chewbacca collectors have been Brad, and we've had our ups and downs. When I first started, I was kind of um, okay. I was at times and even more <laughs> as a competitor. Right. Someone to compare notes and all that, and you know, there's times I took some unnecessary jabs at him, saying I'm the best Chewbacca collector in PA and all that. And, <laughs> oh wow! You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've been unfair to Brad. He's a, he's a good guy. He's helped me out a lot. Um, in fact, last fall he sold me a Revenge of the Jedi proof card. Oh, nice for a, for an amazing price. So. I, I owe Brad a lot more. I give him grief a lot, but he's a good character and a good guy, and I'm glad I met him. He's following your footsteps and got me involved in the loose chewy army. Oh man, yeah, that, that was funny because I, you know, my my goal was to just do that forever and just keep on growing. I finally hit 400, and I was just like, I got nowhere to display these. And and then when he said he was getting back into it, and I was like, oh geez, maybe he, maybe I think I should... he said he's up to 125 now. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's amazingly amazingly addictive once you get it. I think my brother called them the Tootsie Rolls. When you get uh, when you get enough of them, uh, I want to get like eighty four, and then I'll just keep them in. I have a I bought a vintage World War Two ammo can, and I keep them all in there. Ah, oh, excellent! You should definitely now. That's something which uh, I haven't been been updating the museum very much lately. Hopefully, I'll have time in the next decade. But uh, that, would, that would definitely yeah. make it make it somewhere. That'd be excellent to have the because that was the original. That's how it all started for me. I wanted I had the vintage bandolier strap, and I thought, how funny mm-hmm. would it be if they were all Chewbacca? And so after I got uh, eight, I'm like, maybe I should just get a hundred more. <laughs> all right. So, uh, what is your feeling about the holiday special? Now, there's some uh, Wookie entertainment. 
Yeah. Now, I didn't I didn't ask this of, of anyone else because uh, it didn't seem like a fair question. But I'm going to I'm going to allow it to be asked of me because I'm off the chain. I, I think the I think the holiday special deserves more credit than it gets. I think it's a brave piece of television art. And thus, I didn't say it's a good piece of television art, but it's brave. If you watch it, Bart, it's what? It's like 15 minutes of nonverbal giant monkey dogs talking to each other in growls. There's no subtitles. There's no explanation. It's just, you know? And, yep. uh, and, and I like that it emphasizes this other aspect of Chewbacca. Again, you talk about how, how do I relate to the character. Well, it turns out he's a family man. No, not that good of a family man if he spends all of his life with the, with the space pirate basically selling space drugs. Um, but still, uh, I, I like that aspect of seeing the family. And really, it made Chewbacca a lot more of the star of, of the whole series if that had worked, right? If that had been something that they weren't ashamed of. If it had been any good at all, in fact, uh, I think it would have really changed the way people perceive Chewbacca because it would be really exciting to see his family and really fleshed out, and you don't really get to see that anywhere else. So I'm, I'm for the, the holiday special, and I'm for the, uh, the Wookiee storybook. Um, I just uh, – that's an area that, that I appreciate. Thanks to everybody who participated in the interview. Let's get back to your regularly scheduled – Kivecast. All right, Steve, as always, you are going to have to wait for the show to hear how it all came out. But uh, that's, that's part of the fun for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. I mean, now that you don't have uh, wacky sound effects put in all over the place. Yeah. Uh, although I will hopefully get some kind of dog sound effect for every time I say that I'm off the chain. <laughs> Which will probably just result in me going woof woof woof. <laughs> that works. But uh, so so let's uh, let's get into to feedback because that was right. uh, if that winds up being as long as I think it is, the show's already going to be. You know, Steve, last month was the longest episode we ever did. I know it's uh, it's great. I mean, it seemed like it it went just fine. Yeah, it went just fine. You know, it's it's funny because podcasting serves two functions. One is it's entertainment and the other is it gets you places, you know, <laughs> like it, 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 when I was mowing the lawn the other day, you know, like I, I was happy. I had a podcast. It was a half hour and I was happy to hear it, but I wished it was half an hour longer. So I didn't have to stop my lawnmower and find another podcast, you know, to listen to. <laughs> so hopefully Cavcast will get you to work, get you back and then, you know, get you halfway through doing the dishes. <laughs> but uh, feedback. So, uh, why don't we start with just some of the the rebel scum feedback? Um, okay. The main thing I noticed was people definitely seemed to like the the, the, the raw format. Um, yeah. And uh, Scott Bradley, who is our, uh, if you remember back a couple episodes, uh, Scott Bradley is sort of our Canadian correspondent. Yeah. And uh, he, he commented on a few things, including uh, what Joe talked about with the R two D two. Uh, reliable banks. Right, so, uh, right. Steve, do you, you want to uh, read what Scott Bradley said in, in a Canadian accent? I don't know if I can pull the Canadian accent. I'm that, actually, that I'm, actually maybe... I'm drinking a Labatt's. Maybe, maybe I should do it, but no. <laughs> maybe. Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> I don't think I can imitate Scott quite right. But, uh, okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, regarding the reliable R2 bank, it was first available in Canada in the late 70s, uh, 79 at least. It was also available well into the 80s too, and uh, he has a really great shot of uh, – all these other toys with that R2 bank in there. 
Um, it's actually from a, a catalog. It's a catalog photo. And uh, let's see. That'll be in the show here. notes, of course. Yes. Now, this, this is a great comment about, uh, about bootlegs. Yeah, Scott says, if you're like me, sometimes think that the companies who produce bootleg items are these shady back alley type organizations who are at the ready to scramble should any police or legal <laughs> entity come within 100 yards of their workings. But that's not the case with many of these organizations. Reliable is actually a very old uh, toy maker in Canada. They've been around since the 1920s. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty great. Uh, and we're the first to use injection molding production techniques and rotocasting in Canada. Uh, they are known mainly for their plastic dolls. Uh, as a side note, one of the brothers whose uh, family uh, founded Reliable also went on to establish uh, Regal Toy, uh, the company responsible for creating the, the uh, plus Chewbacca. There we go. Uh, the Chewbacca hand puppet and the plus Jawa in Canada. So um, it's... <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, it's let, let me jump in on that. So if yeah, you don't yeah. know too much about those, those are some of the rarest Chewbacca items out there. I, I don't own them because... Well, one of them is this enormous plus Chewbacca. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, five feet tall. It's huge. I, I've never <laughs> had any space to, to display it. I mean, it could ride my new riding lawnmower. You know, it, it wouldn't look bad. <laughs> and it was like a, a store display. And then there's a Chewbacca hand puppet that they made. And, you know, both of those always go in the four figures. And I've just never been able to, to pull the trigger. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, a, a you know, the, so it's really neat that this kind of weird, funky bank is made yeah. by this really, uh, this long really great, standing company. Yeah. yeah long standing company. That's it, awesome. And also he, he mentioned that the, the, the image of, of the RTD bank that I have in the show notes is from his website. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, uh, <laughs> let me tell you the process of show notes. Uh, I edit the entire show. Uh, I put it up and then I, and then I, I roll my eyes and I hit my head against the, the keyboard and I scream some <laughs> profanities and I go, ah, time to put out the show notes. Uh, it's definitely the <laughs> least enjoyable thing I do in this whole process. Cause you know, I got to go find the thing and upload them and it takes a couple seconds and attach to the thing and, it's getting better now, but uh, in general, I just – the first picture I find, I just throw up there. But uh, <laughs> I, I will uh, include uh, – if I ever take anything again from – I'm going to try to include more credits where credits do. Um, so definitely go to Scott's website, which we will link. We'll have a permalink on the right because um, he's just great. And then he goes on to actually talk about Leisure Vision, right. which uh, is what is what Joe talked about. Um that he was just getting these new things he'd never heard of. Um, now, again, I really wanted – I, I wish we weren't so raw because I wanted to find that clip from Train Spotting where he talks about leisure is my pleasure. Remember that scene? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, actually, le leisure is my uh, pleasure. But anyways, um, so the leisure vision, and he mentions that uh, – and he includes the pictures and we'll, we'll put those up too – that they had uh, Space Attack and Space Vulture games. And they were right. they were sort of mid priced and they debuted in 1982. And yeah. just just for comic effect, I, I would like to read the uh, all of the games available on uh, on Leisure Vision, um, <laughs> if I can find it amongst all of my open windows here. Oh man! Yeah, I got it. I got it right here. Oh, you got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So we have Missile War, Space Mission, <laughs> Ocean Battle. Football, Space Attack, Space Squadron, Space Vultures. That's getting a little more descriptive. Yeah, Space Vultures Ro is great. <laughs> Robot Killer, Alien Invader, 
Breakaway, and I think this last one is my absolute favorite, Crazy Gobbler. Crazy that- Gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that oh, that's great. That's what I wanted the, the whole thing, Crazy Gobbler. I assume that's some kind of Pac-Man knockoff. But, uh, <laughs> or it could be a turkey hunting game, and you never know. <laughs> that's true. That, that's a good call, Steve. Crazy Gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that that was some some good good information. Yeah. Uh, also on the on the rebel scum reply, uh, man, Jared is out oh, of control. Man. So he, he's he's off the leash, man. This yeah, is yeah, he is definitely <laughs> off the leash. So so we didn't have anything for him to do last month. I thought maybe like the image of Chris Julius in a Tim Linscombe jersey, but I thought that would annoy that would just annoy Steve too much. Um, you know, this one I'm thinking maybe, uh, you know, like Chewbacca, like, you know, the, the, the Jesse Owens picture from, uh, from the Olympics, you know, uh, (laughs) but anyways, you know, with the metal, but uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what he does there, but, but he went all out and he created an entire mythology and production (laughs) process for Klaatu Skiffguard. What did he make, Steve? Well, let's see. Uh, that figure he met, or the character he mentioned last time, the uh, B-wing pilot in Skiffguard Skies, mm-hmm. which he'd already given a great story about the movie involvement. Right. He goes on to unveil the story of a completely unproduced figure. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just classic. He's got the hard copy. He's got a proof card. Uh, on revenge, he went to the so far as to say it was on a revenge. Proof card, meaning it was a very important character early on in the <laughs> development of Return of the Jedi. It, uh, it, it's just awesome. And it, he's got a two-pack on there, and, and lastly, uh, a Power of the Force uh, proof, which just shows that this unknown character was actually one of the most important yet forgotten figures in the line. And I... I, I <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, I, I saw the first picture. I'm like, oh, man, what, what is this going to be? I just kept scrolling down and scrolling down. Like, it just, my jaw hit the floor. It was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> real, real dedication. And, 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 and to be honest, I mean, uh, sometimes the best way to teach something uh, is to just create a hypothetical situation. And, yeah. and, and that's really what he did. He created yeah. this hypothetical situation of a figure that never existed and was right. never even thought about. Right. And and he went through the whole process. So in a way, it's it's like a way of understanding, uh, a way of understanding, you know, all the different things that could have existed if the B wing pilot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the two pack next to the the Luke Jedi. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if scene you mentioned that. Yeah, scene accurate. Yeah, and then the the, the POTF proof. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I I don't know if we're ever making shirts again or uh, or or wait, did we ever make shirts in the first place? No, we, just made, yeah, no, no, we just made we pins. pins. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, also, we're going to start giving those away soon, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we ever do make a shirt, that may have to make it on there because uh, <laughs> Baby Wing Pilot skiff, skiff card disguise. That's great. So we didn't get any yeah. calls to our, our phone line, Steve. Do, do you remember oh. the phone number? That was the uh, the Pocket Wampa. That's right. right. P-O-K-U-T-W-A-M-P-A. Pocket Wampa, yeah. That's right, Pocket Wampa. Um, but uh, I guess the the debate wasn't didn't stir up too much interest. Uh, we did get one one person who commented uh, about retro, um, and uh, it was um, oh Steve, how wrong am I getting here? Did I did I not include his name here? Uh oh, uh oh, this is getting too raw. 
too raw, Steve. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I'll, I'll get his name here in a second. Uh, Steve, why don't you read it? The uh, I've had some thoughts about your debate over bootleg versus repro. Okay, one second. There we go. Okay. Uh, I have some thoughts about your debate uh, over bootleg versus repo. Uh, my thoughts as to why bootlegs are accepted is because bootlegs are not meant to deceive anyone. Everyone can tell pretty much just by looking at them that they're not originals. They're made in poor quality, wrong colors, and have wrong accessories, if any at all. Uh, they're not easily confused with or passed off as vintage. This being the case, they're more accepted in the hobby. Uh, reproduction items were made at first as a cheap way to give a figure its missing weapon. Eventually, people began to take advantage of this and pass the repos off as originals. People uh, are purposefully trying to make repos as a close match to vintage as possible. As we all know, this leads to scams, people being deceived, and causing damaging effects of the hobby. Uh, that, to me, is why bootleg is acceptable and repro is not. Great. Uh, so that, that was by Derek. Uh, yeah. D- Derek Webster. Um, okay. I assume he has no relationship to Emmanuel Lewis. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yes. So that that was his question. And well, not his question, but that was his comment. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Maybe that's why people yeah. didn't, didn't say it. That really it's just, do you intend to deceive or do you not intend to deceive? Right, right. Um, uh, so anyways, that's uh, that That was some, some more of the comments. We're getting more emails in to kivecast at, at gmail.com. Um, so that's that's positive. Uh, I know I liked it, I liked another thing too. Um, this was from Martin Thurn, who's a famous Star Wars collector out of the DC area, and he he said he's a month behind. And guys, if you're a month behind, feel free to email us. You know, we got the <laughs> time is not uh, time is on our side. Okay, I mean, not yeah, only can we yeah. bring up uh, 1688 uh, moralists, but we can also talk about. The first episode, we can talk about 1977, we can talk about 2011. Um, yeah. So he gives the full background on the postage stamps that we mentioned. Um, so if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I was at the fireworks factory of uh, of Aaron in Buffalo. Right, right. And he, he had these, this great set of uh, Star Wars postage stamps. And he said they were published by H.E. Harris back in 78. They were not real postage stamps. He said that the 1495 kit, which seems pretty expensive, the 1495 kit came with 24 Star Wars gummed perforated stickers and a small collection of real foreign stamps with space and science themes. It also included subscription information to enroll in sort of a stamp of the month club that included more Star Wars stickers and no doubt sucked the wallet of countless Star Wars parents for months, if not years, in many cases. Love the show. So, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's neat. I mean, I, that must be a whole area of collecting, like these these other. There must be a lot of you know, paperwork and kind of things you could get with that whole uh, subscription service and with the stamps. Yeah. Right. Um, cool. Yeah, that was great. Got another great, uh, another great, and this is something that we totally encourage, Steve. If there's something out there that you just want to talk about, right? Because I mean, absolutely. Because you know, I, I, I listen to tons of podcasts, you know. And like, if you listen to the baseball podcast, someone will just say, "Hey, how come you're not talking enough about Jason Bartlett?" And then you talk about the guy, and then that's that. So someone says, "Is there any love out there for the original Kenner Star Wars electric toothbrush?" So I ask you, Steve, is there any love out there for the original Kenner Star Wars electric toothbrush? Well, there's got to be some. I mean, I. I can't say i've ever owned one but uh <laughs> we might as well give it some love now right exactly we are going to love we're just going to love it to death steve 
Um, <laughs> so this is from Jason, Jason Latroll. Uh, and he says, it was the first Star Wars item I ever owned. And I believe I got it back in 78. My mom threw it out in 1980. So a couple of years ago, I purchased a carded one. See attached photos. Um, my question, perhaps you could put out there, did Kenner issue this item before or after the first Star Wars action figures hit the shelf? Steve, I got no idea. I got nothing. Did you say one second, or did you say what's that? Uh, I said one second. I was just catching them on it. Now, I I don't know either, man. This is a it's a good question. Would you rather have a uh, a toothbrush first or the figure? I, I mean, if I was a kid, I think I'd hope that the figures were out first. But as we know, most of the time it wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I'm going to assume that that's not the case. I'm going to assume yeah. that 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 because if you look at the the toothbrush, I think it was. It's not too specific, right? It's just right. uh, you can just kind of um, attach the Star Wars imagery um, to it, right? Um, right? So it's not something they had to make the prototypes for and do it. So I'm just going to assume that that, that was not the case um, <laughs> because, again, I didn't, I didn't send you a picture of the front, but it's just got kind of stickers on it. Well, it okay. does look kind of like a, like a lightsaber. Oh, actually, the front's beautiful too. Um, but it really is the back that, that I wanted to mention. Oh yeah. As as far as the as far as the the Chewbacca uh, month goes. <laughs> so Steve, can can you read the text uh, uh, clear enough? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I will be playing the parts of Chewbacca and RTD2, and in your effeminate voice, you will be uh, C3PO. Oh man. All right. Okay. First of all, we'll set we'll set we'll, the theater of the mind here. Uh, we're in what appears to be a spaceship. Uh, we have uh, R2-D2 with a very humanist, humanistic arm brushing. Yeah, what, what is with that? His, <laughs> the front of his dome, okay? He's, he's polishing his dome. Okay. <laughs> R2, what are you doing? Bluzz, bluzz, bop, bloop. <laughs> brushing your teeth. R2, honestly, do- droids don't brush their teeth. Humans brush their teeth after they eat. Bleep. Why, R2, sometimes I wonder about you. Click. Okay, and then there's a, there's, a re, there's a readout. Bleep. Humans brush their teeth for two primary reasons. To look pleasing to other humans. Two, to avoid the unpleasantness of cavities. This method has been successful because brushing removes food particles that unite with germs in the mouth to cause cavities. <laughs> uh, anyways, it goes on and on, and then it says, The important parts of the process are, Number one, see a human specialist called a dentist. For cleaning and repairing of teeth. Two, use dental floss for additional teeth cleaning. This is very important because humans and their teeth are not as easily to replace as computer parts or droid bodies. Blurm. Oh, man. <laughs> a big very blurm. good, R2. I think I'll try this myself. It looks like fun. <laughs> See, I was going to say, you had to get at least one Sky Chewbacca growl in the show. <laughs> and I was going to wait till the end. Here we go. Oh, hi, Chewie. So Chewbacca is now brushing his fangs. <laughs> R2, do we have any more toothbrushes? Beep, baleep, creep, we Grah, 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 grah. They the didn't really get creative end. with them. Oh, wow. That is that is quite amazing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's got Chewbacca brushing his teeth, which, uh, again, you know, <laughs> That image, I, I need to get one of these now. Uh, if anyone has yeah, any extras of these, let us know because I need to get a high-res scan of, of C-3PO looking at, at Chewbacca saying, oh, hi, Chewie, with yeah. Chewbacca brushing his teeth. Because taken out of context, it's like, what? 
And then R2-D2. Something is not quite right about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi, Chewie. And even in the early pictures, the way Chewbacca's not there, and then he is there, and it's just Yeah, his right. Hand. I mean, right. where is he standing? Is he standing where inside Where has he been this whole time? <laughs> if you look at the third panel, there's he is literally not as tall as C-3PO. Right. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, to answer your question, Jason, is that enough love for the, the Star Wars toothbrush? Because oh. I did not think much about it before, and now I want to own one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, th- there's, there's your answer, Jason. Um, let's see here. What, what else do we get as far as feedback? I, I did have, um, uh, did, did have some good news. Um, I would also like to say, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not particularly, uh, that, that good at, at being, I'm not a flake, right? Would you say I'm a flake, Steve? I wouldn't say flake, no. Ah, oh, burn. No. Wow. Did you hear that pause, audience? I wouldn't say flake, no. But I can be tough to be in a communication relationship with. <laughs> there we go. Uh, <laughs> um, communication breakdowns. <laughs> yes. Communication breakdowns tend to happen. Uh, I don't – it's not that – like I will always come through, uh, but you may have to bother me more than you wish you would. But after promising to send off that figure uh, last month, I actually did it. Oh, wow. Good can, man. Can you believe that? That's great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyways, if you, if, you don't, if you didn't listen to the episode, someone emailed and said, you know, what's, what do you think about recards versus original figures? And I said, well, uh, we talked about it. And I said, well, you know what? Wh- why don't you just hold a, you know, get a real figure and see if, if, if you can feel the difference versus a, a recard? And so I said, oh, I'll just send you this extra Trilogue Emperor I have. So he just emailed me today. And uh, Chris replied, thanks again, man. I can't thank you enough for the Emperor. It came in yesterday on the most perfect day, the 34th anniversary of Star Wars. Total coincidence. Yeah. Uh, I found a perfect spot for the Emperor. I'll be placing him right next to my vintage POTF B-Wing pilot. Oh, man. What a way to... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is like the Kivecast display case. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was over at my friend's house, and he had a reproduction Darth Vader 12 back. This was my chance to search my feelings on this, and all I have to say is that it did not feel right. As it sat in my hands, I did not get the same feelings I got when I received my first carded vintage figure. It didn't have that smell, dense, bent card back, creases, yellowed bubble, and discoloration. To sum it up, it didn't have character or a story behind it. I'm going to stay pure to true vintage and not soil it, and now I see it more with the Emperor. That piece is beautiful, just the way it smashed bubble and all. So thanks again, and keep up the great work on the show, Wampa Wampa. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's actually so raw. Steve, that's the first time I read the email. I had no idea where it was going, but uh, <laughs> I, I, got, I got goosebumps, you know? It's, uh, I, I consider that experiment to be a success. So Yeah, yeah. totally. Because you don't have to villainize recards to, to, to put them down. You know, all you have right, to say right. is, "Man, the real thing is that awesome." That uh, that 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 once you see it, you'll know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So so thanks for thanks for getting back, Chris. And yeah, I sent him a couple of the Wampa pins, and we're gonna have to figure out a way to to send those out too. If anyone's interested, I'll, right? Yeah. Might as well just do it now. Hey, if you want a a Wampa pin, uh, you can just email uh, kivecast at gmail dot com, and uh, I probably won't be as lickety split with it as I was. Uh, with Chris, but you know, I'll hopefully send out a package within the next month uh, if you want a, a Wampa Wampa pin because we have extras and hey, you're listening. 
Yeah, that sounds um, like a good plan. And I think I may even have a couple extra still off to check. But uh, if I do, um, and I, if you have more that you need to send out, just let me know and I can send some too. Yeah. And also speaking of, of being kind of a, of a flake, uh, there's some more emails in here um, that I haven't really gotten to. Uh, so that, that wasn't such a good move. Um, <laughs> like for instance, Ollie, our friend from France, uh, had a really good idea for a limelight drop, um, oh, from, yeah? from Alan Parsons. Um, huh. and he even included an MP3. It was really nice of him and he sent it in March. So Ollie, uh, merci bien. So, well, we will get to that eventually. We haven't actually had a limelight, but we appreciate that. And then also, uh, uh frat boy who's been a, a faithful listener proposed, uh, maybe doing some of the, the, the kind of like research work for the, uh, for the market watch stuff, but it, yeah, was, it, yeah. was, it was at the exact moment that you kind of found your groove with it. So I didn't really know how to answer him. And as often, uh, whenever I don't really know how to, how to react, I just kind of don't answer. So, uh, um, anyways, we'll, we'll get back to you uh, eventually on that. But, uh, if in the, in the event that you feel like you've, uh, you haven't gotten a response from us, feel free to email and, uh, bug me again. Off the chain, Steve. <laughs> Uh, it's funny though, because right now it doesn't feel like we've talked that much about Chewbacca, but that's just because we haven't listened to the insanely long <laughs> interviews. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man! But uh, I think that pretty much brings us to the end. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I, I was hoping that uh, that we'd be able to talk about fantasy baseball a little bit, Steve. <laughs> Well, that's always kind of a, a dread for the reject squad. <laughs> <Yeah>. but... <laughs> there, there was one point where I doubled up Steve's uh, yes. score. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just happy that – I don't think it's going to last long, Steve. But I am in first place right now in the league. Uh, I don't think – And, I, uh, I don't and think I'm I, not in last. I'm yes, not in last. And you're not in last. So this is pretty much the, the best you can, you can expect from us. Um, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be overtaken by next month. Uh, if I had to judge based on my on my squad, but uh, anyways, it's uh, it's going well. And uh, the thing is, I think actually opening it up to a lot of the listeners made it a lot more competitive, because uh, I tell you, like the last couple of years, it's pretty easy to pick people up off of waiver wires, but people are really listening. <laughs> and uh, the only other last thing I'd say is that that the fantasy baseball podcast that I listen to is actually funny because they started talking about Star Wars kind of randomly. And there reaches points on their podcast where I'm like, all right, shut up. Just get back to baseball. And I realize <laughs> it's the absolute opposite for our podcast. And people are like, all right, shut up. Just get back to Star Wars figures. <laughs> it all balances out somehow. Yeah, yeah it, it, all, it all balances out. But uh, what, what, who's, the, who's the next figure, Steve, on our, uh, on our list here? Let's see. Well, we got the first. We got Luke. We got the first four. We got the early bird got the early bird. And that, who's, that was... officially, who's officially next? Is it uh... – Oh, Steve, I can't believe you don't know. Uh, I, I'm not good with the order past those first four. I'll be totally honest with you. Oh, Steve, I can't. It's like it's like you're. I mean, I can't believe you don't know. How can you possibly not know? I mean, you, it's like I'm stalling right now, but I'm not. You don't know uh, who comes next. I'm having, I'm having a uh, a bad time right now. No, yeah. Uh, so Chewbacca's assortment number is three eight two one zero, and three eight two two zero is the man is the droid who's wondering. Why Chewbacca's brushing his teeth? It is C three PO. Oh, there we go. Okay. 
So yeah, actually, I didn't know that either, Steve. I just know the first. You're four. just trying to you're trying to yeah. make me feel like I'm. Oh my god! No, no, I'm, I was, having, I'm having an. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I, I was stalling. I'm like, Steve, how can you not know that? Look, up, <laughs> look it up, look it up. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Like, if we weren't recording this together, you'd probably be like hitting me in the side or something, or like looking at me like, what What, what are we doing here? But yeah, it doesn't translate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right. DC three PO, the 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 opposite of. Uh, of Chewbacca in many, many ways. Right. <laughs> uh, but they both enjoy brushing their teeth. So, Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much, Space Freaks, for passing a, another enjoyable uh, couple hours with us here talking about vintage Star Wars collectibles. Do uh, you have anything to say before we wampa out, Steve? Uh, other than then, the traditional adios. That's it. All right. Wampa wampa. This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, Hasbro Toys, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. The official Hasbro site can be found at www.hasbro.com. Star Wars all names and sounds of Star Wars characters and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or the respective copyright and trademark holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Star Wars Collector's Archive, unless otherwise indicated.